The PKD Black Box is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. This is the PKD Black Box, episode 37. This week's PKD Black Box is brought to you by bscreview.com. BSC is a source of commentary, reviews, news, and interviews, and strives to be a venue covering all corners of culture and entertainment, be it pop, underground, or fence-sitters. BSC now features a dozen commentators who cover a variety of mediums and genres. BSC reaches nearly a million viewers each month, and their network, combined with bscKids.com, reaches well over one million viewers monthly and growing. Whether television, film, fashion, books, comics, gaming, or sports, they have no boundaries. That's bscreview.com. Welcome back to the PKD Black Box. I'm your host, Sean Pryor, a.k.a. Stan Leroy, a.k.a. Barack O'Comics. This week's episode, we bring it back to comics after a month-long discussion about movies on the PKD Black Box. We have a conversation with artist and webcomics creator Michael Schwartz as we discuss his webcomic Oceanverse. And then we talk with Mike Pampanella and Monty Alamad of the Evil Money Comics Company as they discuss their road to independent comic creation. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode. But before we do that, I have a special announcement that um, I need to make in regards to some PKD media stuff. Um, as many of you listeners know, we do a comic called Mercury and the Murd, Buddy Cop Comedy. Uh, volume 1 did premiere this year and will also be available finally on Indie Planet later on this month. And we are in the process of working on Volume 2 right now as, we, as I speak. So what I wanted all you to know is that with everything going on with me personally, I'm trying to handle PKD media and some other things that I can't talk about right now at this time. I just don't have time to do a gajillion things at once. So what I've decided to do is break things down a little bit. And by that, I am no longer writing Mercury and the Murd. I, I, however, am providing the plots for Mercury and the Murd. So Mercury and the Murd Volume 2, which will debut next year at the Comic Geek Speak Super Show April 30th and online sometime in May, will be plotted by me. And it will be written by Mike Imboden. Mike Imboden is well known in the, in the direct comic market and digital comic market for his book, Fist of Justice. And Mercury and the Murder will also have a new artist for Volume 2. Uh, Chad Ciccone, who provided a majority of artwork for Volume 1, is right now working on a project that I can't even talk about right now. So in his place, Ryan Miller will be providing sequential artwork for Mercury and the Murder. So it's a new team but still the same familiar faces of Beck Mercury, Adam Murdo, and Lieutenant Lori Paint. I welcome uh, Mike and Ryan uh, to PKD Media with open arms, and uh, you know we hope that this project goes great. Mike's scripts are fantastic. Ryan's artwork is top-notch. I can't wait for everybody to see this next year, and um, I'm really excited. And the front cover is already done. I can't show anybody yet, but the front cover is provided by June Bob Kim with inks by Steve Bryant, and it is fantastic. It actually is an ode to one of my favorite movie posters. So <laughs> I can't wait for everybody to see this next year. So I just wanted to spread the word about that for all, all of our Mercury and the Murd fans out there. And if you still don't know what Mercury and the Murd is about, you can read it every Monday and Tuesday at pkdmedia.com. And now, on with the show.
I am here right now with uh, Michael Schwartz. Michael Schwartz is the creator of the webcomic sensation known as Oceanverse. Uh, Michael, how are you doing, sir? Uh, doing well. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. I had the opportunity to meet um, Michael at, um, was it Super Show a couple years ago? Was it the first Super Show? Or it was, yeah, it was the first Super Show when I was just wandering around. And then uh, last Super Show, I had the table. And then, uh, <clears throat> then we met up at Summit City. Yes, and so, and let me tell you, like, this dude at Super Show had, not only he had, like, his Oceanverse strip, which we're about to talk about in a moment or two, and, like, all types of uh, sketches and stuff, I got a cool commission of Captain Power versus Ace McCloud, um, <laughs> that's old school for those that don't know about um, some old school Centurions and some Captain Power, mm-hmm. but um, we, we might talk about that later, too, but, um, but he also had these fish fish heroes like fish versions of blue beetle and, and booster gold and stuff like that and he also you also had these uh, submarines these paper submarines that you could put together of mm-hmm. the of the red herring yeah and i'm like this is really clever so like there's you know you have comics marketing toys you know you mixed it all up right there so i think that's really cool yeah well the the, the super show this past super show was the first time i had a table at any convention ever so I knew that I, I knew that I was going to have a table, and I had enough time in front of me, and I really wanted to have more than just my comics. You know, I wanted to kind of stand out, and that's where I came up with the, yeah, the funny book fish, where I had the the original. You can buy the originals, or like I had them printed out in little uh, kind of like sketch cards for just a, a dollar. So people wanted to pick up stuff. One guy he he bought like eighteen of them at once. <laughs> wow. Uh, and that, and then the paper sub, you know, just just to have a, a lot of diversity at the table, you know, just make it colorful and interesting, and hopefully get people to stop and look at those, and then at the same time look at the comics. And and at the, the Super Show was an incredible success. Um, it, you know, it, it's kind of ho- uh, home field advantage. You know, a lot of people from the forums, uh, you know, know the stuff, and it was uh, great to see them, and they were very receptive to Oceanverse. So that that was a First time out, that made me very happy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, man, you were busy that whole weekend. Saturday, I was a blur. Uh, before I knew it, half the day was over, and I had maybe like one and a half drawings done because I was kind of slicking myself out with doing uh, sketches at the show. I was like, I've never done that before. I'm, I, I think I'm kind of slow. And, you know, when people are like, oh, can you draw this guy? Like, yeah, I think I can. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I eased into it, and... um yeah, it got better, and uh, Sunday was a little more relaxed, so I was able to focus more on uh, fewer drawings, but then I was also able to uh, get up out from behind my, my, my table and walk around and talk with some people and do a little shopping, too, and yeah, so the, Sunday was a lot less stressful, but it was still fun nonetheless. Yes. We're going to move it to Oceanverse. We're going to focus on Oceanverse for a little bit. Um, to those people that have not read Oceanverse at um, www.oceanverse.com, and what is Oceanverse and what inspired you to create it? Oceanverse, bare bones outline. It's a adventure webcomic, uh, kind of dating back to some of the, uh, the older adventure strips of the 30s and 40s. And it takes place underwater in a submarine called the Red Herring. The main character is uh, kind of an old 
uh, sort of pulp adventure type. Uh, his name's Clayton Hemmings. He's got a big white mustache and you know likes to wear uh, uh, plaid plaid sweater vests. And basically, it's outlined at the beginning where he he's getting old, and there's kind of uh, an ambiguity in how old he really is. If you kind of play around with some of the dates mentioned, he's he could be over a hundred years old, but we don't know that yet. <laughs> So it could be along the way, one of his adventures, he found something that prolonged his life. We don't quite know yet. But he realizes he's getting older, but he's not, he's not old enough to still have some fun. So he had the submarine. He actually has three submarines. The other two are mentioned early on. And, uh, and he basically just assembles a crew. Each is specialized in, the, in their own ways. And they go under the ocean and, and have adventures. That's, <laughs> that, that's pretty much the, the bare bones pitch. It goes a lot more than that. They go to underwater cities that are carved out in uh, the rock underground. And there's a, there's a time travel story. And uh, you know, there's big sea monsters. And right now, the story I'm working on is a, is a huge, sort of a, like a big season finale type story where uh, huge crustacean creatures are on their way toward uh, destroying the city of London. And the, and the herring's in a tough spot, and they got to prevent that however they can. Who knows? Well, I look at it like this. As long as the strip is better than watching an episode of Sequest, you're doing all right, sir. <laughs> that, that's funny they bring up Sequest. Um, in my day job, I'm a t-shirt designer, and we just got a bundle license of a bunch of NBC shows, and Sequest is one of them. And uh, my creative director, he's like, oh, Mike, you should have no problem doing this. Is like, actually, I never watched that show. <laughs> but when it was out, I, I don't know. I just wasn't. I was like, you know what? I think I'm gonna stay with it. It looks looks a little too corny for me. But uh, when do I did a design for it and uh, do some research on it, it, it sounds like the first season was good, and then it kind of went downhill fast. Yeah, um, it suffered through uh, budgetary problems and uh, and other issues like you know uh, cast uh, cast conflicts and you name it. There were a, there were a lot of problems with that show, and it had the ultimate. I call it the Penelope Cruz factor. Anytime you add Penelope Cruz to a film, nine times out of ten, it's going to be bad. Oh. <laughs> um, but there's also that, but like the male equivalent of that, and I joke because I, I do like this guy, but he's always oh, oh, that guy. Yeah, you're going to say Who? Michael Ironside? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Michael Ironside. When they brought him onto the show, it just changed everything. And yeah. I was like, eh. I'm like, they mean well, but. I don't think I'll watch this anymore. <laughs> I think it's on Netflix Instant View. Maybe one day I'll, I'll check it out. Well, <laughs> watch the good episodes. You know, just make sure you actually have free time. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you know, right now, any Sequest fan that's listening to this show just turned us off. <laughs> well, they should, because pretty soon they'll be able to buy um, at least two T-shirts, Sequest T-shirts. When's the last time they were able to do that? <laughs> Very true. Now, and when I look at, when I look at this comic... You know, I'm reminded of like the pulp comics, comic strips from from way back when, uh, you know, by Alex Raymond or um, or say, for instance, like and I talked about this with Steve Bryant before the Star Wars strips that Al Williamson did. Yeah. Which are awesome. I I love those. So like as far as inspirations go artistically or some inspirations that um, that led you about to to, uh, create Oceanverse. Yeah. Well, yeah, the old comic strips were were huge Um, at the time that I got. The original idea, and it's uh, it came about when I was designing a T-shirt at work, and I it was like some presentation for uh, you know some kids' shirts, and I drew up this thing of this guy in a deep dive suit underwater, and uh, you know there, he's surrounded by a shark and a octopus, and 
you know, I had fun doing that. And, and at the same time, I got from the library these books by um, Brian Walker, son of Mort Walker, who um, he created uh, Beetle Bailey mm-hmm. and a few other ones, I think. And there are these really nice, expansive books called uh, The Comics Before 1945 and The Comics After 1945. Yeah, just looking through that, especially the older stuff, uh, it really caught my imagination that, um, you know, thinking of how comic strips are now in the newspapers, um, you know, web comics aside, but, uh, you know, how watered down newspaper strips are and how you can read it, read one strip and then you're done. You have no investment. It's probably not that funny or interesting and you just move on. But reading all these old strips, they, they were so involved and they had storylines that went on for weeks. The one book that I read had this uh, uh, Popeye storyline that had to go on for at least a few months. Uh, it was just this epic storytelling and it was funny and it was it was very daring and, you know, a bit risque at the time. It, it really opened my mind to what comic strips were and what they can be. Also at that time, I was, uh, uh, I just got a big Liberty Meadows collection by Frank Cho and um, I always liked his strip because it was so well illustrated. He's such a, he's such a good artist. Oh yeah. And uh, it's sort of, all that kind of combined in my mind. It's like, you know what? I'm going to give this a try because all I'm doing right now is just drawing in my sketchbook and I'm, I'm really not creating anything. I'm, you know, just copying stuff and maybe doing a study here and there. But if someone's going to ask, Oh, you draw? Well, let's see what you do. You you know, you're going to show them, you know, drawings of a Bruce Tim Batman that you copied. So it's like, you know what? Just, just do it. Put your head down and you got a little bit of inspiration and go with it. And, it kind of went from there. I, I actually, I actually took about a year on and off just just thinking about it. I don't want to rush into it. I have the time. Just just think out the characters. You know, write down their histories that may not even get covered in the comic. Um, but figure them out. Figure out the tone you want. Artistic inspiration, yeah, was um, Little Nemo by Windsor McKay, Milton Kniff, You know, Steve Canyon, Roy Crane. He did a strip called uh, Wash Tubs which was sort of in a Steve Canyon type adventure mm-hmm. vibe. Actually, a, a bit of Mike Waringo, too. I think, I think you can still see it still a little bit in, uh, in the captain's design, kind of in the, in the jowls and stuff. It still reminds me of uh, a Mike Waringo drawing. That's kind of what I was starting off. And then, you know, the style of design evolved over time. But, uh, yeah, it was just, just yeah, looking back at all that stuff and realizing I wanted to try and not really capture that magic, but... but give it a try myself, you know, see what I could do in that kind of traditional comic strip way. Speaking of the traditional strips, have you ever seen the uh, Secret Agent X-9 strips? I've seen a few of them. Yeah, the books that I have, they have um, like five to ten of them in, in the, uh, the Alex Raymond part. Yeah, they're they're awesome. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. And see, and Al Williamson had a hand had a hand in those two from, uh, I think, like 67 uh, to 80. Um, I think they were written by Archie Goodwin and drawn by Al Williamson in a, from from that period of time, man. And that stuff doesn't like miss a beat. You know, if you get a chance to just like take a look at look at look at those, the artwork oh, yeah. is the artwork and the storytelling is beautiful. The one thing about comic strips is, and like you talked about this a moment ago, is how nowadays with newspapers, like comic strips are very bland. They're very generic. Uh, you know, there isn't a lot of risk taking because newspapers get scared 
yeah. of risk takers. I mean, think about all the stuff with Frank Cho and Liberty Meadows that had to be redone. Oh yeah, yeah. He goes he goes over that in, in his uh, tomorrow tomorrow's Modern Masters book mm-hmm. that um, yeah he couldn't get away with anything and uh, you know it cost some newspaper circulation and eventually it was it wasn't worth continuing before the Boondocks became an animated series that was a a daily comic strip and mm-hmm. and you know Aaron Magruder had his issues with that. Oh sure. You know, had his issues with that. And I love the Boondocks. Now, you know, it's it's you know, granted, it's way off off subject, you know, as compared to uh, you know, like Secret Agent X Nine. But yeah, yeah. but still it was it was a strip that, you know, pulled pun- you know, didn't pull any punches. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what I like about like a lot of the Alex Raymond stuff, the Al Williams strip stuff, just the adventure serial in general. And you have you only have like X amount of panels or X amount of space. You have X amount of space with the comic strip. Yeah. So you have to be fluid with your storytelling. And uh-huh. that's what all these people do. They're very fluid with their storytelling. And I think that's just a, lo- a lost art in the world of comic strips today. Well, you know, with, with thinking of it as a webcomic, you know, webcomic can make any size or dimension you want. Mm-hmm. You know, sort of my mission going back to trying to do an old comic strip is yeah you have the same rectangle you have a you have a blank rectangle and you got to fill it with a story that's compelling enough to get people to to come back and read what's next but still have that in front of you be the entertainment uh, in and of itself when I kind of look at it it's like at the very at the very beginning of it on the left hand side it's like you know start you know the the, the gun fires and you got to go and that at the end of the strip is a is the is a checkered flag, and you, you, you know you gotta gotta you know have issues with panel layout and pacing, but and and be creative, but you still gotta tell the story. That's why I sort of like it. They're they're little they're little bites of a story, and, but each of those bites on its own should be uh, interesting in and of itself. All the strips are 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 um, you know done by hand. They're they're hand lettered and everything. And you know what I like about that is that when it's when it's when I'm done drawing it, I can hold it in my hand and have like this is the finished piece. There's you know I scan it in and do some tweaks here and there, but for the most part, what's finished on the page is what gets put up on on the website. How, now, how long does it normally take you to actually hand letter hand letter a comic uh, a comic strip? Because that's something I don't hear a lot of people do do nowadays is actually hand letter. Um, yeah. Strip. Um. Well, it all depends, of course. Um. You know how much how much dialogue is in that particular strip, but it doesn't it doesn't take that long. I find it because um, when I'm laying out a strip, that's the first thing that goes down is the text, and then you know use that and kind of design around that rather than kind of drawing everything and then you know figuring out where you're going to slap some word balloons over and you know cover up some faces or something. It could take maybe like a half hour, forty five minutes. It's one of the more tedious parts of doing it, but it's not that bad. One thing that I have noticed um, while looking through all the Oceanverse strips is that, you know, with the hand lettering, you're also, that means you're also hand lettering special effects and sound effects. Yeah. You know, like words like, you know, like gra and, you know, crash and all, and all that stuff. And, I mean, there are words, I've never, sound effect words I've never even heard of, and I've made up a few myself. <laughs> and, you know, that takes work, and that takes, that's work, dedication, and effort. Like, say, for instance, uh, strip number 199. Uh, this the special effect word is gra and it's like very dooming and very is very what's the word it's just creepy it's kind of creepy and eerie looking and yeah. it emphasizes the fact that character the ancient guardians or the ancient guardian guardian mm-hmm. uh, is coming to wreck shop 
Yeah. And, and so it really lends to the effect of the strip as a whole. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, props to you for doing that because, like I said before, a lot of, you know, a lot of comics, whether it be strips, web comics, comics, that hand lettering is, I don't want to say a lost art, but there, are, there aren't a lot of people that still do that. Yeah, um, yeah with the sound effects, um, even reading uh, Jeff Smith's Bone, you know, he throws that stuff in there all the time. You know, I, lo- I know in a lot of modern comics, they're kind of shying away from the sound effects, but sometimes when it's, it's put in, you know, with computer lettering, it does look like it's just kind of pasted in there. It's like you know, you know what font that is. You know, uh, you know where they bought that font, and it can feel a little artificial, not a place. But I think when you hand letter it, it incorporates itself into the page more, and it kind of uh, it complements the artwork more than detracts from it. When you do it yourself, you, you kind of have all the freedom in the world you want. You know, you're not constrained by by the font or the particular sound effect that that you're using. You can just just draw it. But even with that, you know, it kind of feel that I, I sort of do the same effect over and over and I'm trying to think of new ways to do it and after I read Aphrodisiac I know that he he had um you know where the letters are and they're in three dimensions but each one is going another way you know when he bursts through a wall or something like that so I I kind of stole that from in a few upcoming strips <laughs> Im- imitation is the most sincere fl- form of flattery they say yeah so hey you know and it helps you and you just grow from that learn from that and go with it Going back to Oceanverse, um, we know a little bit, a little bit about Clayton Hemmings, who runs the show. There's also an additional cast as well. Characters like the uh, very spunky uh, Meg, who, yeah. who, who to me is like a combination of, a combination of. Well, I shouldn't say combination. To me, she's like, what if Olive Oil had common sense and could scrap? <laughs> Now, granted, she doesn't look like olive oil, and I don't want to put that point across to people that haven't read it, but that's just, I'm just going by, like, you know, old-school comic strips. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, but uh, could you elaborate a little bit on the crew? Yeah, uh, yeah, well, yeah, let's start with Meg. Um, she's she's sort of the um, marine biologist, somewhat out of college. She's Her her and the other character, Ben, they're uh, the younger characters on the uh, on the sub, and they're, they're, more, they're more the touchstones for the readers, I think. You know, I kind of write Ben, sort of write it in my voice more often than not. Ben's the um, kind of the archaeology expert. He's he's uh, fluent in kind of dead languages and old civilizations. And and Clayton has him on board to you know when they find some something under the sea, he's able to kind of figure out where it's from. And and also um, he kind of has uh, Ben in there to sort of. Uh, back up his really ancient computer. <laughs> Clayton has this kind of thing called a dictatrope. It's kind of this sort of steampunky looking thing that's, uh, you know, kind of contains chronicles of his old adventures and Ben has to, has to back up that, all that up on a, on a more modern computer. So yeah, yeah. Ben and Meg are more of the main characters. I, of, of all of them, I think I've grown to like Meg the most, you know, they say, uh, you know, characters eventually write themselves I can't say that I'm quite there with Oceanverse, but I think if if there's any character that that I I am the closest to as far as that, I think it would be Meg. The other characters are is B. R. Cooper. He's the the pilot of the Red Herring, and he's uh, he's uh, kind of a, a former uh, airplane pilot. Uh, he breaks the plane up from time to time, and uh, he kind of went from being like a a racing pilot to owning a company to develop. Um, you know, the airplanes and aeronautic stuff. And he, that gets kind of boring for him. So that's why he took the job so that he can 
get back to his flying roots, even if it's underwater. Then there's uh, Captain Arcona. He's... I got a really good backstory for that that I wrote down a long time ago. It involves... Uh, he was a submarine captain in, in, in the Navy, and uh, there's something with, you know, this giant monster hanging around Japan that was uh, kind of destroying subs and using it to build a nest for uh, its babies and teams up with the Soviet Union. This is in, like, the mid-'80s, and it's some, like, really top-secret... Uh, kind of monster hunt that no the public doesn't know about. Maybe one day I'll tell that story because that's I think that's kind of cool. Well, you definitely got a, a lot of stories to tell, uh, and you already have a lot of stories on the website as well. Um, before we move to um, the next subject, Mr. Cooper actually gives me a um, old school um, Howard Hawks film type character. <laughs> um, you know, he reminds me of those like uh, I guess was it James Cagney? Was it James Cagney? I want to say James Cagney. Uh, you know, James Cagney as type character from like those old school movies. I know people are like Sean, dang, Sean knows old school movies, old old school. <laughs> Black and white films, you crazy? I'm like, "Yes, I know. I studied that, son." So, yeah. Sorry. My bad. <laughs> um, let me pull it back in. Now, you have a lot of content. And there are a lot of web web comics out there, but there you can say that as of this recording, you will have over 200 strips. Yes. You will have over 200 strips. Now, that takes a lot of work and that takes a lot of consistency. And you started this back in September of 2008. And, uh-huh. and you know, now we're in 2010 and you've been able to hit that mark consistently. How have you been able to stay consistent and make the webcomic frequent and stay fresh for you so you don't, you know, become bored of it? Well, to keep ahead, I... I gave myself a lot of lead time. Uh, I gave myself a huge, a huge buffer before the comic even went up. I had, pardon me, I had uh, 96 comics completed. <laughs> really? Yeah, wow. yeah. Um, being that it took so long to kind of develop it and work things out, it's like you know what? There's no rush to put it on on the on the internet yet. I want to have enough where um, I know I'll have enough for, to fill up two single issues. Because um, when every forty-eight strips I collect into a twenty-four-page comic, and I wanted to make sure that I had two two comics worth, and that equaled about a year of lead time. <laughs> which, which you know, some web cartoonists they're, they're like, "Oh, okay, what am I going to do for tomorrow's strips?" Like, I can't do that because I like I like to plan out the story because each story is at least twenty-four strips. That's how I kind of plan it in, in a, a twenty-four strip block, and then. If it needs to be longer, then I stretch it out into, you know, a two-act, 24-strip equals 48 strips. Uh, the, the one I'm doing right now, it's, and it's going to be 72 strips, which is uh, by far the biggest one. Wow, that, that's, that's pretty big. And how many times does this strip come out a week? Uh, it comes out every Monday and Thursday. Yeah, it only does two times a week, which, you know, I, I, I think the magic number for a, you know, old, a hugely successful webcomic would probably be like three a week. Mm-hmm. But I know I can't do that day job and family and, and life. You know, it. I I I don't want to rush it. I don't want to put out a bad product. So even if it comes out just two times a week, it gives me enough time. Sometimes not enough time uh, to, to to make sure that I can you know devote time to it and and quality and and hopefully put out the best thing I can do. Because you know when it's all said and done, I I love to uh, collect it into a big trade. And um, hopefully the style will, for the most part, stay consistent looking. You're doing it two times a week. You're, you've been real consistent with it. You should be one, one. You know, you should be proud of that. So props to you for that. You also note, I mean, if you know you can't do it three times a week, don't. You know what I mean? It's just make it, you have to make it as comfortable as you can for you because 
you know, and also at the same time work hard. And that's what you're doing. You're working hard and you know your limitations. So in doing that, you've been able to consistently put out a strip two times a week for two years. That is a good thing. I mean, how many web comics do you know of that you, you know, that you may like that you don't even know the frequency of the schedule? Yeah. uh, I think that's the most important thing with web comics is that you, you set a schedule, you tell, you tell your readers when new ones are coming out and you stick with it. If it's once a week or twice a week, you know, just, just keep hitting that because the less consistent you are, the less people are going to care. They're going to say, well, this isn't updated in two weeks. You know, who knows when it's going to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it, as a webcomic creator, you kind of have that, that, that promise to your readers that, you know, if you keep reading it, I will keep providing it when I say I'm going to. And, uh, you know, it definitely builds up the stress because, you know, you do have to have something every, uh, you know, every week, but you got to do it to, to get the ball rolling, to get people to, to be, to stick with and to build uh, fan loyalty. That's, that's what I think. The webcomic market is a very, um, it's a large market oh, and, yeah. you know, you're competing, you know, you're competing with, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not more, um, people and creators of all different various types of artistic levels um, to get somebody's attention for at least two minutes. Oh, sure. Yeah. So it's, it's quite the challenge. And um, mm-hmm. so, no, no, trust me. I know exactly how you feel about that. Well, you've had like two Oceanverse uh, comics where you had basically the collection, a collection of strips in a comic. You've had two issues worth of that. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Three. I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, three issues worth of that, and you've been able to sell those on a DCBService.com. You solicited solicited them there, and what was your experience in doing in doing that? Well, DCBS is great. You know, uh, Zach was really really helpful and hands on to uh, you know ensuring that. You know everything. Everything goes together well, and it and it looks good on the website. And I had no problems with that. Problem I ran into, especially with the third issue, is um, you know like like most comics, the numbers go down every issue. The first one did did pretty well. The second was maybe about half that number, and then the third one is about half that number, hmm. which uh, it's it's no fault of uh, DCBS or anything. Uh, but it, it's probably just, you know, with, with the problem with webcomics and comics in general is that you need to get out there. You need, you need to hustle this stuff. You got, you got to, you know, get people interested and expose them to what you're doing. And I, I think it didn't work so well in issue three. I think a lot of people missed it. I'm trying to correct that with, with uh, issue four, because, you know, if, if you take half of what the third one sold for number four, that's not going to work for me. <laughs> <laughs> right. You don't want to do that. If there's a way to stress to people that might be interested in buying it as as the single issue, I would say that I think it reads better that way. Uh, I, I honestly do because the way that it's constructed and the way that it's planned and written as 24 strip stories, you don't have to wait and read you know two a week, and you know and have it take up uh, you know 12 weeks waiting to read a whole story the way they're written you can sit down and pretty much read through it as you would a normal book the people that that have bought the comics they they have told me that that it's um you know it does read very well in your hands as a book i have it as a web comic because it's 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 convenient and you know exposure is great but i i really think that oceanverse will do better at home as a book 
I'm really looking forward to the day that I can have it as a collection, right. and uh, you know, see what see the reaction from that. I I, th- I think it'll it'll kind of find some new eyes through reading it as as a as one big story. Oh yeah, well definitely. I, I look at um a gentleman like Brad uh, Geigar and Evil Inc. Yeah, and like all the collect collections of books that he has at conventions, and people are just like swooping those up. They love those collections. It's you know, a weird it's a weird thing. Yeah, it's something you could read for free. But people, the people love to have it in their hands. I think that yeah, he's definitely proven. You know what he has? What five, six volumes, if not more, mm-hmm. of, uh, of it. like every year he comes out with something, and uh, yeah, yeah, people, people eat that up. <laughs> it's always hard to to gauge a reading audience, especially when uh, you know an industry is in flux, and either the content can't get like as far as paper comics, the content can't get into more hands. And like with the internet, you're battling with a bunch with a bunch of other people to uh, get attention. I mean, but I mean, you still have to continue to hustle regardless of um, regardless of what you do. If you you know if you love it, so you just keep plowing through and you do it. And you've got a contest going on that yeah. um, that uh, emphasizes that. So what's this contest about? Yeah, it's it's an idea uh, directly stolen from Dave Wachter's uh, Guns of Shadow Valley strip. Um, I did get his blessing to uh, to steal this contest, <laughs> but uh, it's a it's a I call it the, the Oceanverse Comment Contest. Where with every new strip that goes up, if you go to the website oceanverse.com and if you leave a comment, you know a well well constructed reasoned comment, not just you know no spam or you know that's cool, you will be entered to win at the end of the week a free four by six sketch of any character of your choosing. Um, not just Oceanverse characters, but any anyone. I'll do an inked with even some kind of ink wash um, sketch and send it off to you. And uh, the incentive is that, yeah, it, it's every week. It's not just this week or next week. It, every week I want to do it. And if you comment on, say, Monday's strip, then, you know, you're entered once. But if you also come back and comment on Thursday's strip, then your name gets entered twice. So you have, you know, two chances to win. Yeah, I I, I think it's good. And it's already kind of proven, you know, the first time I did it to uh, have new people comment. Because, uh, you know, I have I have a few sort of, uh, you know, standard guys that come by and comment. The first week I did it, I had it, I think, maybe three or four people that have never commented before. And, uh, you know, bring new eyes and voices to the strip. And, and I have fun, too, because... Their comments were really good <laughs> as well, and it made me want to respond to it and, uh, you know, kind of offered some insight on whatever they were mentioning or, you know, talking about with that particular strip. So, yeah, I think it's a good way to, to kind of nurture a community on, on, the, uh, on, the, on the comic that um, I, I may have neglected before, just, just you know, not uh, any, with any cruel intent, but just to... Yeah, get people to the site and and um, you could win a win a sketch. <laughs> I'll be happy to do it. <laughs> free art never hurts. Yeah. <laughs> free art. If you, if you like if you if you like sketches, um, and you want one for free, hop in this contest. <laughs> it's pretty yeah, exactly. simple. Yeah, yeah, and and it's fun for me too because you know uh, for for the most part, all I'm drawing is ocean verse because of the limited time I have to work on it. But you know, if I get a chance to draw Spider Man or you know, whoever. Oh, his name is escaping me. The uh, guy, the Spider-Man guy. Scarlet Spider. Yep. No, he he was he was a villain. He with the uh, with the fro. He was like he looked like a uh, Bootsy Collins. The, um, oh, oh, not Moses Magnum. Or oh, no, no, <laughs> the uh, the funk. Oh, dude. Uh, 
Yeah, he was like in one comic, wasn't he? He had like those these funky glasses, and he had a big fro, and he's all like seventies dial, but he had a guitar. <laughs> that is going to bug me the rest of the freaking day. Oh no! But Daryl Taylor's talked about that character a lot, and I know he's probably screaming through his headphones right now, uh, trying to tell us uh, <laughs> what that character is. But no, you're right. Being able to do something outside of what you normally do makes it fun. A contest can't hurt. Well, heck, I might join it, join in on that one. But yeah, sure. <laughs> oh, wait, I found the cover. It is the Hypno Hustler. There you go, Hypno Hustler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so, bad. Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man number twenty-four. That's awesome. <laughs> Saturday Night Fury, Death Dance of the Hypno Hustler. Mm-mm-mm. Got a pink Les Paul guitar. He's got kind of like a white bodysuit with sort of like this weird kind of a like speaker neck guard thing. And he's got uh, kind of white goggles with pink lenses. You can have your own Hypno Hustler 4x6 sketch if you, if you submit. It would make my week to draw <laughs> Hypno Hustler for you. Think how happy you would be winning a free sketch, but think how happy it would make me to get a chance to draw the Hypno Hustler. So I'm submitting to this contest, and if I win, I'm getting Hypno Hustler. There, <laughs> there it is. It's done. I'm getting Hypno Hustler. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not Hypno Hustler with you, it'll be Jake Rockwell. Uh, there you go. Well, yeah, that is true. <laughs> I mean, we're going to talk about Centurions because like, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But um, before we go there, you've done you know over 200 strips, and how long do you see yourself doing Oceanverse? I have an exact answer for you. <laughs> I'm going to take it to 288. That's uh, that's six issues worth, and that's enough to to collect it and. It, it, starting off, I didn't expect to go that much. I didn't. I didn't have a number in my head, but just it sort of came organically. Uh, you know, I, I'm telling this big story now, and then it kind of calms down, and then I kind of found a good way to sort of write a conclusion, but uh, you know, absolutely leave it open to come back to it later. But you know, I've been doing it for a long time, and I think I need a breather. I like to spend my nights maybe playing video games for like a couple weeks, you know, <laughs> just just sort of settle down and just kind of, you know, not think about that all the time and actually maybe get some sleep. But also as I'm doing, cause right now I'm, I'm drawing in like the two forties. So I'm almost there. And, you know, looking back, I'm starting to think of what, if I were to go back, what, what I want to do, you know, color is a major thing. You know, I like to do it in color, maybe do it as a different format because, you know, I've done this format for a long time. These strips have their own style. They have their own aesthetic and they'll be collected together and they'll all look the same. And then the way that the story's going, I can end it and then come back and maybe do it as a different way. And, um, you know, that's appealing to me because the one thing with Oceanverse is that it's, it's a lot of it has been about expanding my artistic skills through doing it um you know i've i've learned so much from doing it from penciling to inking with a brush and lettering like we mentioned i think it's the right time to go beyond that to go into color and you know maybe uh even change up the style if i do color i won't be cross-hatching as much as what i'm doing now and you know just 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 keep going forward and even telling maybe longer stories you know if, if all goes well you know, say if the uh, if the if the collected webcomic book sells through the roof, and I'm able to you know quit my day job, and, and, and if I could do like a like a Tintin volume a year, 
of Oceanverse stories. That would that would be awesome. I would love to do that. <laughs> so that, that's that's like that's the the ultimate goal. And you know, just keep going from there. I, um, I, it's going to wrap up pretty well, I think. Yeah, just t- take a little bit of break and just kind of decide what I'm going to do next. We are in a field where. A lot of us, you know, we do this for the love and, you know, we don't get a paycheck from yeah. this, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't get a paycheck from this. So you really have to take out some time for you when, when you know, when the opportunity comes, I mean, you got to take it. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's like, I love doing it, but even the way I'm working right now, I'm, I'm writing, penciling, inking, like all at the same time with different stories. You know, I'm, it's kind of in a mess. Um, when I, when I started, when I started out, I was able to kind of just focus on one thing at a time, but you know, I, as it goes on, the buffer gets shorter and shorter. And I got to start thinking ahead while still doing that stuff, and you know, that's getting that's getting a bit much, stretching my brain in a few places at at, at once. And uh, you know, I think the next thing, um, if it's not going to be a web comic, if it's you know maybe publish it as an OGN or whatever, you know, kind of focus on one thing, you know, write it. Cause I, I love writing and laying out stuff. That's one of my favorite things about the project, you know, just do all that until it's done. It's good. Move on to penciling, pencil it, you know, have fun doing that. Move on to inking, which I've, I've really fallen in love with. Penciling is hard work. You know, you use one part of your brain and it's a lot of construction and a lot of problem solving. But that when, by the time you get to inking it, I find it to be pretty calming and, uh, you know, sort of like, uh, kind of zen in a way <laughs> that would be really cool to do nothing but inking for a few months you know and just get really calm and just enjoy inking uh, i think i think will eisner said that inking is sexy and i never understood that till i did it a lot it's like you know what he's kind of right <laughs> yeah, i said inking with a brush is sexy that's in the uh eisner miller the uh yeah will eisner frank miller book that oh. was published a few years ago see i need to peep that book uh, oh it's great <laughs> It is a book you'll breeze through because it's basically, you know, transcribed conversations between these two guys. But it's it's really great on the insight of the craft. Even just, you know, like I mentioned, just how you know how much Will Eisner loved inking and then to business and Frank Miller's run in with Marvel about, you know, when they brought back Electro without his permission and yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff because it's not it's not an interview. It's a conversation between these two guys who, and guys that have similar viewpoints and and on some things, and then quite opposite on on other uh, points. And it's interesting to see these two obvious masters of the craft just kind of you know BSing. <laughs> <laughs> We both have a strong love for the cartoon, uh, the Centurions. Um, <laughs> now, granted, Michael is in a better state than I am because Michael still has some of his toys. I, on the other hand, I only had, I had two Centurions. I had Ace McCloud and I had Jake Rockwell. And both of yeah. those disappeared by the time I was, I don't know, let's see, uh, like 12. Um, uh. they, they both just disappeared from my house and I never saw them again. I was hurt. Yeah. Uh, but... um. I just, I love that cartoon. I love the toys and, and just the whole, it was like one of those first toys where kind of like with the G.I. Joe action figures, you know, I can swap, like with G.I. Joe, you could swap a backpack with somebody or give somebody a different gun. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the Centurions, you could swap all those different weapons and, and make different types of uh, suits and vehicles and things like that. I always just thought that was so cool. And I always thought the animation 
on that on that series was really good too. Even though I mean, even though that, that series was done in Japan, and Ruby Spears, you know, ported the series over to Japan yeah. to get done. And sometimes you could tell there would be like you know two or three houses working on one episode at once, and you're like, okay, why does that look like that? But this look like this is kind of weird. But um, I I just love that cartoon. Yeah, I well, I, obviously I, I watched the cartoon when it was out, but uh, I don't remember it very as much as the toys, you know, because uh, you know, I, I I still have them. Um, I, I'm actually looking at the Ace McCloud right now that I I had to pull out of my my parents' basement so I could do that commission for you for the Super <laughs> Show. I I didn't put it back because I don't want to. I think he I think he's uh good hanging out right there with my little Optimus Prime plush transforming plush. <laughs> yeah, they were they were just really keen designs. Oh yeah, and they were huge. Yeah. You know, they're much bigger than it. You know, the, the He-Man figures. Uh, you know, all, all the other ones out at the time. Yeah, you won't find like action figures like that nowadays. I mean, with the exception of like you know your wrestling action figures. Normally, your GI Joes, your Star Wars, your Justice League Unlimited, DC Universe stuff. Those are you know your average size figures. Your DC Universe, those are pretty huge. But yeah. that, that's more from like a collectible standpoint than like an action figure standpoint. Yeah, all the figures are shrinking down now. They're thinking back to uh, yeah, like Star Wars size. Mm-hmm. That's kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, but I don't. I mean, I don't mind that though. I, I I think more to me. I think more toy lines need to go to that. Um, everybody having the same size action figure. And, you yeah. Because to me, that just opens up a child's a child's imagination. Because I know I had a lot of GI Joe Star Wars adventures as a child. So you know, Luke Skywalker teamed up with Snake Eyes. That's all right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it made it fun. And yeah. it's just stuff like that I always thought was cool because I, I got upset because I didn't have any uh, Chuck Norris Karate Commandos toys. <laughs> I always wanted them, but, you know, couldn't get them. And then, um, you know, the opportunity came around and, like, I, you know, I finally found some and I didn't have any money. But the one thing that always had me a little salty was was that the Chuck Norris figures, the Rambo action figures, because Rambo had a cartoon, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And all those figures were like, you know, like He-Man sized. And I always wanted those to be the same size as the Joes and the Star Wars figures so they could, like, team up. <laughs> you know, and I granted... Then you just have uh, Luke Skywalker fight a giant Chuck Norris. That is a damn good idea. Why didn't I think of that? Dang. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I played with my figures back then. <laughs> see, see, good call. Good call. <laughs> I, just, I just remember when I watched the Centurions cartoon, you know, I didn't think about it then, but now... Because I have, you know, I have a few episodes. I have a few episodes on my DVR and stuff. If you look at it, if you ever see the cartoon, and I'm sure you can probably find clips on YouTube. Mm. If you look at Jake Rockwell, Jake Rockwell is Tom Selleck. If you look at Max Ray, now Max Ray's Tom Selleck. Oh no, oh, you're right. That's right. My bad. Yeah, the, the mustache. Yeah, that's right. Max had the mustache. Jake is Jake supposed to be Clint Eastwood? Oh, I never thought of that. It's either Clint Eastwood or Tommy Lee Jones. One of the two. Hmm. Because, it could be. Yeah. Because uh, Ace McCloud is Harrison Ford in a very Han Solo-ish type way. Yeah. 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 You're right. I can see that. You, you know. So I'm like, I don't know when like Kirby, Gil Kane, and all these cats like did these designs. If like you know those types of you know movie and movie actors were like inspirations for uh, for making uh, you know for making those characters. But like when I watch that, I see it. Yeah. I, I, I see it. I'm I like, oh, so, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I was saying. Yeah. Imagine a live action movie with those three guys. Oh man, that'd have been awesome! Like back in like 1987. <laughs> yeah, uh, that would have been real. Yeah, like mid eighties, they could they could have had all those guys. Oh yeah, oh that movie. Shoot, back then that movie would have probably would have caught even back then would have cost a gajillion dollars. 
You know, you didn't have those special, you didn't have those easy, easy special effects that you have nowadays. Before we wrap up this call, by the time this episode airs, it will be October. You were talking to me before we started recording that you will be at the New York Comic Con, but not behind a table, but you'll be at the New York Comic Con, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my wife and I are taking a little trip to New York in October, and it worked out that uh, we're going to be able to go uh, just on Sunday. So we'll be flying on Saturday. But uh, yeah, we're going to be just walking around the New York Comic Con, which uh, my f- first time being there. And uh, yeah, it, it's also going to be the biggest con I've attended by far. Because around here, it's, we have the, uh, the Motor City Comic Convention, which is... Eh, Okay. Yeah, I'm excited. To even yeah, just to walk the floor in New York because it that one seems to be, you know, the heir apparent to uh, San Diego, where it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. For now, it seems to be more dedicated to comics than you know just movie PR. You got you got to like uh, either take a lot of pictures and post them on the Oceanverse site or like give a report or something. So. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. So <laughs> so in other words, if we see a dude with anything Oceanverse, that's you. Yes, probably. Well, there we go. <laughs> well, cool. Well, where can people, once again, where can people find Oceanverse? Uh, Oceanverse is at www.oceanverse.com. And um, yeah, that's that's where the webcomic is. And you can also purchase, I, I have t-shirts for sale on the website. They're only $12. They come in four different colors. Yeah, the single issues, they go up on DCBS for a, you know a good discounted rate. There's no set schedule with them, but uh, when, when they come out, I'll let everyone know. And uh, you can also buy the comics through uh, Indie Planet off of uh, Kablam. Okay. You, you can buy uh, you can buy them from there too. Okay, that's uh, indieplanet.com, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Well, cool. Well, Mike, it has been a this has been a really good talk, man. And um, I thank you for also helping me with my Centurions therapy. <laughs> and uh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, congrats on um, over two hundred Oceanverse trips and. Um, and congrats on one staying consistent, doing doing a great job, and being able to bring um, pulp and uh, you know big time storytelling uh, to web comics and uh, and just and continued hustling. So um, I hope to see you at a show real soon, brother. All right, sounds good. Thank you very much. Hey, you're welcome, Mike. Anytime. I am on the line with the Evil Money Comics Company. I had the opportunity to meet these gentlemen face-to-face at the Summer City Comic Con this year. One of these gentlemen I have talked to on the forums um, many a times. His name is Mike Pampanella. He is the writer, editor, co-founder, and letterer, letterer and evil money grabber. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mike, thank you for coming on to the show. Uh, thanks for having us. Also on the call with Evil Money Comics, uh, he is an artist, designer, also a co-founder, editor, wrangler of artists, and chief manager of Cloud City. Uh, <laughs> his, his name is Monty Alamod. Monty, how you doing, sir? Hey, I'm good, man. Thanks for having me, man. Really appreciate it. Hey, it's, you're welcome. Does that make your middle name Lobot? If you're if you're the the uh, co-manager of Cloud City, I, I think so. Lobot. <laughs> 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 hey man, but Lobot had that fly vest though. Yeah, he was he was dressed to the nines. That guy, he was <laughs> he was great. And those headphones, yes, yeah, so amazing. I, see, that's why I, I love my parents because my parents, you know, they always made sure I had my Star Wars figures when I was a kid. And my parents, they knew 
either either they got these on clearance or they watched Empire with me too many times and they're like, okay, we just saw a scene with a couple of Lobots. He needs more than one Lobot. So, <laughs> you know, they got they got me a couple of Lobots and I don't know if those were just on clearance or uh, <laughs> and like and then on my dad's side of the family because my dad's side of the family was like all about affirmative action. They was like, you cannot have the white Bespin Cloud City Guard if you ain't got the black one. So, <laughs> so like they would buy both of them and then like you know, they wrap it up like Merry Christmas. So I'm like, that's kind of dope if you think about it. <laughs> so then you had multiple Landos too, I, I'm guessing. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, same same figure. I ruined all those vinyl capes. All of them. <laughs> oh my god. All of man. You playing out in the rocks? You know, you playing out in the yard, and the yard's full of rocks. You got Boba Fett, and you got Lando, my slave, my slave one, and everything more. <laughs> that was man. You, you taking me back, but let me let me get back on focus because I'm I'm yes. known for tangents. I'm known for yes. this. So yeah, let me let me, down lightsaber. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Let me pull it in for a second. Let me All, right. In. All right. So, but no, I mean, Evil Money Comics, like I said before, I got an opportunity to meet the crew face to face at Summit City Con. Really good people. And I talked with Mike Pampanella on a couple occasions before. And this episode is like, you know, very indie and, you know, indie and small press based. And I just wanted to, you know, give these guys some support and love and have them on the show. My first question, we'll shoot this one out to Mike and, and, and Monty, feel free to, you know, come, come in anytime you want on this. Why the name Evil Money Comics, and actually, how did this name come about? Oh, you, you know what? I can take credit for that. This is the one thing I can take credit for. <laughs> I, I actually came up with Evil Money. We were, we, this had just kind of come up in conversation when we were in the very early stages of coming up with concepts for the comic book. And, you know, Monty here, we typically call him Money. We don't, we don't call him Monty. We call him Money. Uh, we always have. That's how he was introduced to us way back when. <laughs> and so we've always called him Money. And one of the other main artists for Evil Money Comics, he is E. Villanueva. He sometimes goes by E. Vill. So I said, well, what makes most sense to me is Evil Money Comics. Mm -hmm. That was way back when we were first talking about this. Then when time came to actually come up with a with a name, they both looked at me and said, well, how do we work your name in there? I said, I don't care if we work my name in there. I came up with the name of the, the company. We'll go with Evil Money Comics. That's that's your homage to me. Yeah, it really is an homage to the artists behind the, the book. I'm I'm just the writer. I, I don't need <laughs> I don't need that much recognition. Yeah. Any anything to add to that money? Yeah, it's just something that, that just happened like that because of our nicknames, me and Irvin, Evil and Money, you know. So, um, but I mean, we, we, we like to say, like, you know, Ir Irvin's the evil, you know, I'm the money, and, and Pamp is the comics, okay. you know. <laughs> so so that, that's how it works. You that's know? from my stand up routine right that, I, that I do on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's kind of it. And, and like every time you say it to someone, they always like to, like, Wow, evil money! What 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 is that? Like what it what it, what does it mean? Like there's evil. Like we like, <laughs> like we got deep on this one or something. Yeah, I know it's funny. Look, we we mess with people. We're like, oh, well, money is actually the root of all evil, and our comics are there to abolish. That. You know, we just mess around with people. But. <laughs> Dollars, please. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. See, you lure them in with all the mumbo jumbo, and then he gets so confused. It's just like, okay, I was here for something. <laughs> oh, that's right. Here's my money. Give me that book. <laughs> Buy our go. comic. <laughs> that's what it is. That's no. what it is right there. No, that, no, no. That's. I mean, that's cool though, because I, I like that name. And the first time I ever saw that, mm. I, I just stopped for a second because I think it was on. Um, I think I saw it like on the on like one of the forum boards, and I saw that um that Mike had like a little um picture at the bottom after after he made a post. He always had this like little tag 
um, on the bottom, and it says something about Evil Money Comics. I'm like, Evil Money Comics? So I, it always was in the back of my mind. I was just like, I, what is that about? And then when I finally got to see you guys at Summer City, because Mike came over, and I was like, oh, and the first thing that popped in my head was Evil Money Comics. I was like, that's that dude. That's that dude. <laughs> so, <laughs> so no, man, it, it, it worked. Now, you guys got a book. Um, it's an anthology book, um, the Evil Money Comics Anthology. How did you go about the, pro- the process of getting people together and collaborating to make this book? And how long was that process? And as far as like the theme for the anthology, was there like a standard theme in the anthology? Or is this just like all types of stories from everywhere? All right. Wow. Uh, those are good questions. Um, well, first off, I guess uh, how we got people together it was basically me, Irv, and, and Pamp. We were just uh, sitting around, and uh, we were like, hey, let's do a comic. You know, we are like, all right. You know, we had, and we were just like basically threw out on the table the stuff that we had, like different ideas. Mike had been writing some stuff for a while. He was originally trying to get some stuff in uh, to Epic, right, when uh, Marvel was doing the whole Epic thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we were, you know, we wanted to collaborate on stuff back then, but, you know, we didn't have a real format for this. And it was just kind of, you know, talk. And then so so and me and Irvin we were we were had been going to art school together and stuff um, you know doing ad design illustration kind of stuff and then you know we we were always talking about doing comics too and then you know we're like well let's just do this we can do this I know we can you know so uh, so we get together we got together I think at a Denny's or something like that and we would often meet there and like you know late nights and or like random hours I don't even know and then just put out on the table of different stories and concepts that we had. And figure out what was the best way to do this. And we figured, the, you know, the best way to do it was just to put it all out in an anthology, you know, or the, whatever the, was the best stuff that we had, you know, put it out in an anthology and stuff and see what people like about it and uh, take it from there, really. I don't know. Do you want to add anything to that, Mike, about how we got, how we got started, how we got together? No, that, that's, no, that's pretty much how it happened. I mean, I, the, the one question you didn't hit on was um, the, oh, you didn't, oh, you didn't. Oh, you're still on that first one. Yeah. All right. Um, no, then then I don't have uh, I don't really have anything to add to how how we got together. I mean, that's pretty much how how it went. How how long? Too long for only having for only having one uh, one volume out right now. But it, it is a a long collaborative process because we we're pretty stretched out. I mean, we have a lot of different people contributing, so a lot kind of rides on that. Like there's there's the the three main founders, my, myself, Mani, and Irvin, but then we have other artists who contribute as well. Everything is kind of contingent on everybody everybody else. So, But we, we've probably been at it maybe two years? I want to say three. Three years? All right. Well, two years makes it sound a little bit better for us. Okay. I'm going to go with two because <laughs> then there's no excuse for only having one volume out if you, if you say three. So, But see, but because it's an anthology, that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> now, now, like say for instance, like if this was like issue one of I don't know Wildcats back in the nineties, <laughs> and like you know still two or three years, like oh yeah, we still in issue one. See, then I'd have have a reason to say, okay, you know y'all kind of slacking. Oh yeah. man, yeah, for real. <laughs> uh, and and um, actually, we like uh, like Mike said, I totally forgot to mention this. We we do have other people involved. Um, basically, what we did from the beginning was like, well, all right, if we're gonna do all this, you know, none of us are accustomed to putting out art 
at at a steady pace, you know, like at a monthly or even like quarterly pace so you could get a full comic done. So we're like, all right, so we're going to need to enlist other talents. And basically we just, you know, started going around and talking to the people that we knew. My brother, um, who was kind of my inspiration for even getting started with comics, um, he was the first person I thought of. And he was totally like, yeah, yeah, I want to do this. I already have all these ideas and stuff. And so, you know, we got some stuff from him, threw it in there. And then um, Irv had a friend, Nelson, who worked with him. And Nelson's an amazing artist, and he's just been itching to do something just, you know, with people that are actually going to get it done. And so he just jumped right on. And um, for the next volume, we actually um, – from, from when we had our, our volume one last year at, at the convention, was it last year or two years ago we met Charlie? I don't know. Yeah, I would say last year. It was probably last year. Yeah, yeah. probably last year we, we met Charlie. And uh, Charlie was just a guy at, at Wizard World, you know, coming through. And, uh, you know, he stopped and talked with us for a while. And, you know, we kind of just like liked him and hit it off. And then he showed us his artwork and we were like, wow, you know, you, are you looking to do stuff? And he's like, yeah. So we just like, well, come on. Why, why aren't you doing stuff with us? And then we just, you know, got him enlisted. And he's, he's doing, doing uh, he's got his, his story done for the next issue. He's doing the cover for our art book that we're going to have. And, yeah, he's just, I don't know. That's just kind of how it goes. I guess like you find when you talk to artists out there, I guess a lot of a lot of artists, you know, myself included, are kind of frustrated with people that aren't going to get anything done. And um, that's and I, I think that that alone was a big sign because he saw we had our book. You know, we were all like, you know, working to do more. We we're there promoting our stuff. And I think that was just a big deal for him. You know, yeah. it, it's always a really big issue when you, you know, when you're trying to start and you start when you're starting from the ground up, you know, you're pretty much small press and. It's hard to find the right find the right people that have that same energy, drive, focus, and hunger as you do. Yeah. And I've talked about this on the show a million times. I've been lucky. I know because I've had some bad situ- I've had some bad situations, mind you. I've had some bad situations, but I've had more positives than negatives. And mm-hmm. I've you know found people that were hungry, wanted to like you know really give it a shot and go. And the result is we've been able to make books because of that. But. At the same time, you know, a lot of these people are either doing the work at a low cost or they're doing it for free, you know, until you actually have, you know, the actual funding to say, okay, look, I can pay you this to do this. So, and and if I do pay you this to do this, you better, (laughs) sure as hell, have it on time for me, sign this piece of paper. But, um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's why that's why we, we we can't really make those demands because we're not paying anybody anything ourselves right now <laughs> oh no 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 and, and that's understandable because once again you have to start somewhere exactly. and and you just have to find those people that are understanding and find that medium where y'all can meet halfway so nobody feels that they're being you know either you know overworked suckered or anything like that and they know that the end result what they're going to get from it is going to be positive for them because for them because they're going to get a notch on their belt and you're going to get a notch on your belt too and you're going to have material for to present to people so it it works itself out it's just there's a lot of you know wading through there's a lot we're, of we're very through. yeah we're very fortunate in that respect because it seems like everybody we're working with is just happy to be doing what they're doing and are and in the end they're just happy to see the final product they're that they're more interested in that than they are uh, a money-making venture, which has been nice. I mean, I think uh, in in that respect, we're very, very lucky to be working with who we're working with because everybody just seems to be happy to be doing it for the love of doing it rather than thinking that someday we're, we're going to, you know, 
be right up there with Marvel or DC. I mean, because <laughs> that just ain't going to happen. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, I, I like to keep dreaming big, you know, yes. but uh, I, I, I just don't think that whatever we're going to do is going to be something like that. You know, right. it, it's like we, we'd be doing our own thing, kind of like a. Like an Aspen or something. Now they kind of—they're not aiming to be Marvel or DC. Right. They have their own goals and visions that's completely separate. You know. You know. Besides that, oh, back to there was one other question we didn't answer um, was the theme for the for the uh, anthology. Mm-hmm. There really is no theme. I mean, I we're not, themeless. Yeah, we're kind of directionless, yeah. aimless. It's, we're all those things. It's tragic, actually. <laughs> uh, no, no, I mean, but basically, we just um, wanted to get these. We had these stories, and we just wanted to put them out there. You know, like there's. I mean, we we didn't really think that. You know, we we don't need to have a specific theme for for that for the anthology book. It's not that kind of book. You know, like th- these stories are going to be continued stories. You know, so each one of them have, has their own their own different little world inside this Evil Money Comics world. I think we when we originally envisioned it, we we wanted everything to be its own individual series right out of the gates. But then we we kind of realized that it would be a little bit more prudent for us to take little snippets from from each story and put it into an anthology and see what flies, what the most popular stories are. And again, there there isn't anything really connecting any any of our stories. They're all their own separate thing. They're all from different genres. They all address, you know, various topics and it uh, yeah, but it works. You know, I mean in 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 that respect because it gives a nice I think a nice variety from uh, uh you know, again, different genres and mm-hmm. You know, it, it gives a, a lot to look at. I yeah. I think so. Now, as far as you know, like you, you, there's different genres and different types of stories and stuff like that in there. Um, can you uh, tell us a little bit about some of the stories that are actually that are actually in within the anthology? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, you want to start, money? <laughs> no, you go ahead. You jump right. All right. Well, the the two main titles that I'm writing right now, the first one is called Liquidator, and it is a it's a story about a a mob liquidator who double crosses his his mob boss and he pays the ultimate price uh, with his life and through some unusual circumstances comes back from the dead and uh, wreaks havoc on the the mob he once worked for uh, amongst others <laughs> it's kind of yeah it's got kind of a supernatural noirish type of vibe to it Monty does the artwork on it and uh, he really he really captured what I was looking for with the, the kind of, you know, noir, dark look, gritty. It's very gritty looking. I, I, I couldn't really be much happier with, with what I, I see art-wise there. The, the writing, of course, could, could use some uh, work, but that's my end. So. But the, uh, the artwork is, is exactly perfect for what I was looking for. And uh, the other, other story, main title that I'm, that I'm writing right now is called Inability. Which is uh, it centers in on a uh, a guy within a uh, a team a super team called the uh, Vanquishers of Villainy, and his his sole purpose is to be the healer. He heals his teammates on the fly as they're in battle. He heals them, and the the story kind of postulates what would happen if he was the one member left behind after. A, a massacre occurred with him and his team and his only ability is to heal others and really can't do much to 
help himself in this situation. So he's kind of he's kind of alone. He's out there and he's he's has to deal with this onslaught of uh, of aliens coming after him, and his his team isn't there to to back him up, and all he can do is heal other people. It it focuses in on him and how he gets out of that situation. It's a that's a mini series. So that that won't go beyond that, Monty. I I'm uh, actually uh, writing and, and drawing a few different titles. Um, there's one um, called uh, Ghetto Cowboy Adventures, um, <laughs> and uh, this is a, it's it's a character that's basically it's it's a farcical like quick comedy kind of thing. So far, they've just been uh, you know drawn in like comic strip format, where they're they're like quick like you know, three to six panels and done, you know. Right. Um, but I was actually, um, you know, thinking for the future, expanding it into, you know, regular comic book pages, but it's still going to be short. Like each each one is going to be self-contained story and they're all ridiculous scenarios and every single title has ho in it for some reason. <laughs> like it's, it's Ghetto Cowboy in Ho-Land instead of Holland mm-hmm. and then like Kong-Ho, Ho-Down, like Holiday, you know, different things like that. Men. Yeah, there you go. Completely ridiculous, but, you know, fun. And, and for some reason, people get a kick out of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, um, the, uh, you know, you just have to do something ridiculous every now and then. I think it just, it, it, it's, I don't know, it's good to... Like work with us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, then I have some other that are kind of more serious, I guess, like uh, a story called Viper. And he's a modern day kind of assassin, like, but he's like a ninja style assassin. It's a little bit of an alternate reality and stuff and it, it really like um the story is like you know it's, it's, uh, he kills people for a living really but like the story is mainly focused on him and his relationships with people because he's very like avoiding with other other characters and stuff and like it really like deals with him as a person but his whole world kind of eventually like really kind of crumbles around him and he gets you know set up for different things and and all this stuff and he has to figure out who around him is really like with him and and stuff and he becomes this really needy almost person and then it it, it gets really twisted he has to eventually change and become a better person to come out of this uh what else am i working on oh and in, in the Viper world, though, it's it's very it's it's very complex. It's it's gonna take a long time to finish this one. I'll tell you that um, because it's like he has a real world and a dream world, right? Okay. And like the dream world kind of mirrors the real world, but there's like slight differences, and it kind of goes back and forth between the two. Like so, so the people that are in the real world are also in the dream world, but they're like different, you know. And it's kind of like what he wants it to be in real life is what's in the dream, you know, like his relationships and like he comes to the real world and it's not, but there's like different benefits and negative spots. And then they, they kind of like mirror each other and like, you know, when one gets better, the other one gets worse, you know, and so on until like they kind of meet in the middle somehow, you know. So this is going to be some crazy ride, but um, I, I can't wait till I'm done with that to collect it all in like one one trade. Like that would be really amazing. But um yeah, and um, oh my god, I love drawing the, the Liquidator. By the way, though, I mean the one Pamp's story because that that's like it's not something I normally do. It's very dark uh, and compared to because my my main style is more like you know traditional superhero comic kind of stuff. You know, like my main influences would probably be like Jim Lee, and Adam Kubert, you know, um, things like that. You know, Silvestri, you know. Um, but this this has got such a dark like feel to it. You know, so it's like. It, you know, heavy blacks. I try not to do any cross hatching and stuff. You know, which is like a little bit, a little bit of a stretch for me because like cross hatching is using my bread and butter. But um, so, but it, it's it's such a uh, I don't know it's it's different. I love it. But um, uh, what other titles, man? We have so many titles. Well, it's tough. Yeah, I wouldn't want to talk about <laughs> like other people's titles because I, I don't feel like I would do them justice. 
So I mean, because there are other titles in here, just we're we're not doing them. So right. and, and you're and it's like forty eight pages and all black and black and black and white forty eight pages for three bucks. Yeah, yeah forty eight pages total. Yeah, if if we could if we could do more, we would. <laughs> but it, I think it just you know yeah. you, at some point you just kind of top out and can't do any more pages. That was the most that Kablam would print in, yeah. in a regular book form. Like. Right. <laughs> oh yeah, then otherwise you'd have to move to the um to the trade paperback format. Exactly. So no, that that's completely understandable and I hear the enthusiasm and the joy that um you guys that you guys got from putting these together and that you want it to continue and grow and flourish. So you'll be able to see that progression from from anthology volume one to like anthology volume you know whenever that's what it's all about because it's all about progression when it comes to making these comics man yeah you know i I look at what we did in the like what we did over here in the beginning and some stuff that like chad sicconi perfect example the very first issue of mercury and the murder was like an eight pager and um, because that's when i had no freaking clue what in the world i was doing when making (laughs) comics because i was like hey it's gonna be fun we're just doing this for fun yeah. Little did I know this would become my crack. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Not that I've smoked. It could be taken crack. a couple different ways, Sean. <laughs> I know. Uh, that's, why I'm, that's why I'm putting out the Which that crack disclaimer. did it become? <laughs> <laughs> no, not saying that I've taken crack. I'm just making that as a bad analogy. Yeah. Sean uh, sags his pants, and instead of uh, instead of like boxers and a and a butt crack, you you see his comics coming out his <laughs> out, out the back of his pants. There you go. But. <laughs> but you know, we look at the we look. I looked at that first issue, and then like I look at some stuff he's working on right now, and it's you know it's like night and day. And there's there's such there's like it's, it's a beautiful progression. His inks are like like a hundred times better than when he first started. His pencils are like two hundred times better, and his layouts are completely different. And you know, and it's, it just flows so well. So it's just a wonderful thing to really just sit and look and say, wow, this dude has really grown. You know what I'm saying? Or like, and it's like the same, like same way with, you know, being a writer. It's just, it's the same thing. You know, you learn as you go along and it just makes the journey of creating comics a wonderful thing. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's been a blast so far. So, and we don't stress ourselves out too much over it. So, I mean, it, once we start yeah. stressing ourselves out over it, then it just stops being fun and, and you don't want to, you don't want to do it as much. Mm-hmm. So, so, so far, it's just been nothing but a fun experience. Yeah, we got a great team of people to work with. I mean, we really are blessed to have, like, the, you know, yeah. the different artists that we have fun involved. Too. Yeah. I mean, a yeah. lot of fun guys. Yeah. You know, oh, man. People we love being around. Summit City was pretty was pretty fun, too, because, like, that was the, you know, first time we went, like, we had, like, a road trip. We were in too, full force. So, yeah. well, pretty close to full force. And it was just a blast. I mean, Summit City was great. Yeah. That was a fantastic show. I, you know, I can't stress enough about how much fun I had and... And how much fun, you know, it seemed like everybody was busy. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We, we had so many, pe- we had a constant stream of people at our table. Yeah. We did so many, like, commissions and sketches. We sold so many books. I mean, everything was great. Like, the, the, just the people that came to that con, you know, they came for the right reasons, you know. Yeah. They didn't come to see a superstar, you know. They wanted to come to check out the talent, see if they, you know, liked it. If they liked the book, they would just pick it up, you know. Oh, yeah. It wasn't like, oh, I need to go to get my stuff signed by Jim Lee, you know, which is cool and all, mm-hmm. but it was just... Well, it was it was artist friendly. It was very uh, creator friendly, and it was centered around again the people who really want to do this. You know, they really want to do this. They enjoy doing it. They get a lot of different things out of it, other than a paycheck. And right. and I think that's really important. You know, because 
then then you're meeting the right kind of people. You know, you go to a con like that, and you're and you're meeting people who are in it for the love of of it. You know, being in it. So right. I, I tell you what's cra- what's cra- what's crazy about it. When I was at that show, there was there were people that would come to to the PKD table, and they would say, "Well, I'm so and so on Twitter. I follow you on Twitter, and you know." And I'm like, "I'm like, that's you." You know, you know what I mean, <laughs> because like you know, you don't expect that because it, it, it's it's pretty for me. That kind of freaked me out. I'm like, well, first off, you follow me, and I'm like, I know I've seen your tweets a couple of times, but I had no idea you really dug what I was doing. I just thought you was following me to follow me. You know what I mean? And, yeah, yeah. And I'm right. like, this is really cool. It's just like or a random person stopped by and just like you know talk, just ask you what is this really all about, and uh, you know, and they just have question after question after question. I'm just like, I it, getting somebody that's actually interested. Yeah. It's it's wonderful and like because it's a whole different game than when you're dealing with the bigger shows that are a combination of entertainment and comics, and the way the show was set up, like the traffic flow was good on all sides, all sides, right. all aisles. It was really good traffic flow, and I can't wait for next year's show. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, we're really excited. There's something to be said for a con that is. 95% artist alley. I mean, yeah, yeah. you you when you go to Wizard World or C2E2, which were which C2E2 is a great con, but again, it's it's only a small portion of it is artist alley. And then a lo- a lot of vendors. Then you go to a place like Summit City and it's 95% artist alley. You know, that's that's great for the people who re- that's what they're really there for. They don't have to wade through the crowds of, of people digging through long boxes in order to get to the people they really want to see. It's fantastic. Yeah. I loved Summit City. I I'll, I go back in a heartbeat. I wish they would do it four times a year. <laughs> so it, no hesitation on my part. I stressed on this show the term art appreciation because I don't think people really understand what the meaning of art and how versatile art can be and all the things that you can truly do with art. Because we have, you know, we have television, we have the Internet. We've always had things, even as children, that, that you know, were, I don't want to say a distraction, but we always had those things, you know, because people say, well, people don't read comics because they have, the inter- they have the Internet and video games. I'm like, dude, really? I'm like, we had video <laughs> games when I was a kid. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Nintendo games I played during the day, and then when I got done, there was a stack of comics right by my side. I said, you know, I got to get on my Iron Man tip. Let me read these books right now. You know it's what I'm true. saying? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. We can multitask. Yeah. Okay. There was, I mean, like, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say that there was always a distraction. And yeah. I, I know we have a, a lot more media now. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, we have more portability with everything we do nowadays from like watching videos, you know, your iPhones and your, your cell phones. I mean, you know, people are like, you know, these cell phone companies are saying, well, you can now watch, you know, digital movie quality films on your cell phone. I'm like, first off, I don't want to squint. Just, you know, <laughs> go, you know, I'm like, I'm not watching the empire strikes back on this little ass cell phone. You know what I'm saying? No, that, that's not hidden. You know, you can give me some comics on my cell phone. I'm down. You give me some comics on an iPad or a tablet. I'm cool. But um, oh yeah, oh yeah, no doubt. You know, two taps, boom, I'm good. But you know, I'm like, I'm not constantly zooming in and out while I'm trying to watch Vader. Like, you know, force choke somebody. That that's not hidden. But but uh, I, I digress. I digress. Go ahead, uh, Monty. Yeah. I mean, that, that's more interactive. No, no. Um, it's interactive viewing right there. Now. Um, 
No, I was just gonna uh, say, like you know, back in the day, like I'd be everything I did was like surrounded by co- was that revolved around comics. Like I play video games, like play like the old Wolverine or whatever and stuff. <laughs> oh, the video yeah. game, and I go read the comic book. You know, it's like remember that X Men game on Sega Genesis. I love that game, and because like you could play, you could play as a couple different X Men, and then you had like this special feature where you could like summon another X X Men X Men to come and help you. Yeah, yep. like storm, like you you press a button, and like you know, you get storm to assist you. She drops some lightning or whatever, mm-hmm. and like you, could, I think you could play as like Cyclops, Nightcrawler, or a Wolverine. Dude, I used to love that game, but a yeah. boy, I could, I, I never to this day, I've never finished that game. The game was hard. Yes, it was. You yo that that game earned my fifty dollars. Well, I'm sorry. Let me, <laughs> yeah. let, let, let me let me let me qualify. Let me let me let me change that. It earned my mom's fifty dollars. Because when she Dude, bought man. when she bought that, she was like, "That's the only game you get." That game was the most frustrating game I think I've ever played. <laughs> I, I would like go after I try to play that game and I, then I just like forget this. I just go to the arcade and play the one that they had at the arcade. Yeah, you remember where you could like play four players at the same time? Yep, those were the best games ever. Oh man, yep. yo, I would play that Captain America and the Avengers and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game back to back to. Oh, oh man, no, you speaking my language. <laughs> we're uh, we're we're getting ready to go on a vacation in the next uh, three days. And it's this spot where I used to go when I was a kid up in Lake Geneva. And we are, when, when we went there last year, they, there was this arcade that I remembered from my childhood. And I went in there and it's all the games that I remembered from my childhood. They didn't update any games. It's, it's all, it's those, those X-Men games, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle games. It's all those games. They're all still there and they're all 25 cents a piece to play. So... You know what I'm looking forward to when, oh, yeah, I no get, doubt. when I get up there. No doubt. It's like, everybody leave me alone. I got $10 worth of quarters. <laughs> exactly. Oh man. oh, man. Speaking of blowing, t- I blew. I once blew $20 in quarters on Art of Fighting. You guys remember? For Neo Geo? I'll tell you what's crazy, right? Me, me and my friend TJ used to play this back in my old neighborhood, right? We spent 25 cents the first quarter, got all the way up to the last boss. Wow. I spent the rest of that 1975 <laughs> trying to beat that last boss, and we never, never won. That guy, it, it would the the computer would cheat, man. Like you would like jump, kick him in the face, and it would like freeze it, and then he throw like a fireball. Like oh man. Oh yeah, you, you know they set that uh, they set that level that um that AI level high on purpose. Oh yeah. Impossible! Like you can't, you can't physically do those moves as fast as he was doing them. Right? It just, it just doesn't make. Sense. Right? If you were playing another person, they wouldn't be pulling off yeah. those moves that quickly. Oh, exactly, <laughs> dude. I used to play Final Fight. See, oh, I love Final that, Fight. That was my game that took all my quarters. It was like, yeah. or, or, or tokens, depending on where you went. Yeah. Final Fight used to get me for a while. Remember when Atari was investing in that um, live motion type animation type video games like Pit Fighter? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, boy, I used to play the hell out of some Pit Fighter. Yeah, I loved Pit Fighter. That was a great game. <laughs> that game used to crack me up, man. Yeah. Like the characters, they look so stupid. Though. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> but it was yeah, it was fun though. That 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 was the stuff, man. But see. See, and like we had all that stuff taking our money and taking our attention, but we still went back to the comic shop and got our books. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? I still had TV. I still had my cartoons. So. There, there will always be distractions. So I don't really buy this. You know, well, you know, we got all this stuff. So there's no way people have, you know, people are going to read, read comics. I'm like, that's bull. It's just I don't think people truly know 
enough people truly know their purpose for comics and how long they've been out there and that you can get them. And sometimes it is a little bit hard to find them. I, you know, we can't front on that. You know, the direct market's a hot fucking mess. But, you know, they are out there. And I just think it's up to us going back to the art appreciation and shows like Summit City and like, you know, Comic Geek Speak Super Show and all that. It, mm. you know, it's, it's, teach, you know, it's trying to teach people an outreach and say, yo, you can get all this. You may not even know this, any of this stuff existed, but guess what? It, it's there. It's for you. Come get it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, yeah. And I mean, creating awareness. Yeah. And and the thing the thing that's that I don't know it is a little bit sad about the whole distribution business right now. You know, it's tough to get places to carry comics. I mean, because like even even if right now you go and walk into a Borders, they got comics, but they've only got you know like some Marvel, DC mainstream stuff. Right. You know, they're not gonna have you know your you, whatever your indie publishers are. I don't know. I don't think they're gonna have like your your Mouse Guard or or stuff like that, or you know, um, not, not not in individual issues, yeah. but eventually they'll carry the collected edition. Yeah, I mean, they're really yeah, good about yeah. carrying so, collected editions, just not so. not in the uh, not the floppies. Yeah, that, so. that that trade market, you know, it looks like so many things are headed toward that trade market. I mean, we're, I mean, even like I think about it, like like the, the books I came out with, um, well, PKD Media came out with. Cause hell, I didn't do this shit by myself. <laughs> there, there were people, <laughs> there, there were people yeah. that collaboed, you know, with me on this, like. When we did Agents of Cult, like originally that was in an anthology book we did, and it just it didn't work out well. But, you know, Agents of Cult, people liked it. So we finished the story, and we made a nice size 72-page trade. There you go. And, yeah. you know, Mercury and the Murder, we've had all types of stories in different books. In like over two years, we said, you know what, let's just streamline this, one trade, all the issues we've made so far, boom. And that was pretty successful, successful for us, so... You know, for us, we're better off just putting together trade paperbacks now. Yeah. So, you know, right. so when we have another Mercury and the Murder, it'll be a trade paperback. It may not be as big as the first, but it's at least going to have at least a minimum of three stories for you. you right. Know? So that's how we have to make it work. So we can give somebody something and say, look, you're spending X amount of dollars. Trust me, you're getting your money's worth. I'm giving you plenty. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's just that game that we got to play. But, you know, if, if you love something strong enough and you believe in it strong enough man it'll get out there and you know you just you just gotta you gotta you gotta hustle and work it and that's what you guys are doing too we're trying yeah, yeah definitely yeah, no, i mean just get, get it out there i mean just get getting the word out there i mean because you know when you tell people that you know and stuff hey i got a comic book they're gonna be like oh wow can where can i get one you know mm-hmm. it's just telling everybody you know <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah no for real I remember one of you gentlemen saying that, you know, I think it was Monty that talked about uh, being in ad design. Are both of you guys still in ad design or? Um, no, uh, me, me and Irvin, uh, we, we had uh, taken ad design illustration classes um, over at, you know, the local community college, um, uh, which is actually an amazing college. And, uh, you know, I got my certificate and that and everything. But, but we both kind of lost interest in it. I mean, we really just jumped, like fell into it because we wanted to draw and wanted to see what was out there to make money drawing. 
Okay. And that was basically the best thing. And uh, I mean, but I learned so much from it. I mean, all the design stuff I know with like Photoshop, Illustrator, doing like, you know, the different logo stuff, all the stuff that I've done that I've learned to put together this comic is basically because of those classes. And then um, it really helped a lot with because uh, we had uh, sequential art classes as well. Helped a lot with just my, you know, storytelling and, and all that, too. I mean, it was essential. But I mean, I, I'm not really. Well, you know, it's funny. I guess I kind of am still in the, the advertising design field because I do basically everything I'm involved with. I end up being the person that does all the advertisements <laughs> for and because I, I have um, I'm involved with like a, a theater company and an improv troupe as well. And then I do all the posters and like the flyers and um, digital design stuff that we send out through email, things like that, you know. So I, I, it was invaluable information that I learned. So, yeah, I, I guess I am still involved with that. I mean, not school wise. I was actually um going to school for film recently but um oh, that's cool. all that's all on hold right now oh no understand uh, you gotta do what you gotta do man i i just know of like a lot of artists who are who either had careers in ad, you know in design or you know advertising and you know because that paid the bills and then they work on comics at night so there's always that background i mean even before i even thought of in the back of my mind that i really wanted to make comics years ago i worked for a um a magazine company that printed um you know like uh, those used car those used car magazines yeah and yeah. so like you know i had to learn about layouts to learn how to um, put a book together how to properly lay it out format yeah. it properly make sure you got your page count right make sure that like all the pictures line up evenly make sure all the text flows in and mm-hmm. you know make sure that it's uh you know proof- proofread checked and sent to press you know i learned the hardcore side uh, when yeah. it came to printing stuff and printing books, so I was like, well, and then like years later, I was like, well, you know, I, we prop, you know, I learned how to make books. So if I can make, you know, magazines, I should be able to make comics. And I'm like, no, yeah, son. Yeah. And that's but but that's when like real, real, real talk hit me and the real world hit me. It's like I jumped head head first and <laughs> I just jumped right in. And I'm like, whoa, OK, this is a little <laughs> bit more heavier than I thought. But yeah, <laughs> but once you, it's like riding a bicycle, though. Once you're in, you're good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, uh, I remember uh, for for the first when we put out the first issue, um, it's it's a bit of a learning curve. I mean, you know, thing is though, I mean, right now with like modern technology in this day and age, there's so many resources that you you can't even have an excuse for not knowing how to do something. Yeah, you know, you're right, you're like right. I mean, like I mean, even with like the knowledge that I had with you know the different design, you know, at, like Illustrator, Photoshop, InDesign, Quark, all that kind of stuff, you know. Like, I'd never put together a comic book myself before, right? So, you know, you just jump online. There's so many sources that tell you exactly what to do. I mean, Kablam itself, who, who actually uh, who we do our, our printing through, um, on their page, they tell you what, what to do with all the specs and how to submit it and stuff. And, I mean, if, if maybe you don't know enough about stuff, it might be a little bit kind of like, P, what's a PDF or what's a TIFF or whatever, you know? But, like, that stuff is so easy to learn. And then, like... Just the actual lettering. I had never lettered before, you know. Like I, what I do, I went and I searched lettering. I mean, you just uh, what's it? Um, Richard Starkings Company, um, Comic Craft. Okay, there, there you go, there you go. Comic Craft, right on their website, they tell you they have tutorials that are just free right there to tell you exactly what they do, how yeah. to letter. Yeah, you right? sent me there when we were doing the Yeah, comic. I mean, yeah, because I that, that's really like how I learned how to letter. I mean, like, it was just so easy. I mean, like, it helps if you have that that knowledge of Illustrator, you know, beforehand and stuff. But really, I mean, there's, there's no excuse. <laughs> like, even if you don't know how to design, like, they made it so simple. They tell you, like, where to, to put the bubbles, where not to put the bubbles, you know, what shapes to use, all this stuff, man. It was just... It just makes it easy, you know, and like just like if you do a little bit of research here and there, I mean, you can find stuff. And like, well, I'm already, I'm already looking at this Comic Craft site right now. I'm like, oh, okay, I can use that. I can use yeah. this. They got a, they oh. even have a book available. 
Dude, right. yeah, and, and like they 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 sell their fonts, of course, which are a little bit pricey if you're not you know making a lot of money in your comics and stuff. But um, you can find free fonts everywhere. I mean, just do like a search, you yeah. know, free fonts. I mean, everything I use is all free free fonts, you know, and you know they're royalty free and stuff, you know, and like they're they're good to go. I mean, yeah, all the fonts we use in the in the book, I downloaded off of well, all the ones I use at least. Yeah. I downloaded off of various. Sites that just had free fonts that, yeah. again, if you search around hard enough, you can find them, and they, and they typically say for use with comics. Yeah, so yeah. there you go. Amani uh, talked about some of his inspirations um, for, for art, like Jim Lee and uh, Mark Silvestri, uh, one of the Kubert brothers. Now, Mike, what about you? Um, what are some of your inspirations um, in, in comics? Ooh, good question. I uh, mainly, you know, I, I, I'm a big Bendis fan. I, I love Bendis. If you go back and you read some of his original crime fiction, just fantastic stuff, very, very gritty, you know, which, which was kind of inspired uh, Liquidator a little bit, I would, I would say. I, I kind of... I was I was very inspired by by uh, Jinx and and you know those stories of that sort that he wrote and drew actually he drew those as well. I think they were just some of the like better crime fiction out there. I mean, some crime fiction gets pretty stale and and I think and it might might have to do with his artistic interpretation of the story as well. But I just thought that it was it was fantastic and it really kind of inspired. I would say it's definitely Liquidator, you know, for sure. Uh, other other people that inspired me, uh, Fred Hembeck. You know Fred Hembeck. Oh, but of course. Oh, I love Fred Hembeck. The the goofy ridiculousness. I someday someday I want to write something along those lines. I want to get something out there that like we were just talking about ridiculous and ghetto cowboy and and the pimpin tips and the we have he's he's got the other one the other ridiculous one and there's the pimping tips. Uh, which is also great, and I, I want to get something completely ridiculous out there too. You know, something very uh, Fred Hembeck style. I, I'm all over the place with inspirations. I mean, <laughs> like, I mean, I could could two uh, two writers be on complete opposite sides of the spectrum from Bendis to Hembeck? I don't know. Well, do you follow Hembeck on Facebook? I don't. No, I don't. Yeah, he, uh, it, he's on Facebook. He yeah, he, he's like he'll like you know post like artwork from like oh, you know over the decades that he's done. Oh, wow. And like you know you get to see some of because I remember looking at that stuff all the time, especially when uh, Marvel used to put out Marvel Age, which is uh -huh. which is kind of like if you think about it, that was like their previews, right? If, yeah. if, you, yes. if you if you really think about it, and. Um, and like you know, Hembeck Hembeck would have that comic either on the back of the book, back of the book, or like somewhere it's in the middle. And I, I used to, used to love his art, and so no, I know exactly how you feel. But no, man, like it's it's really cool, man. It, it's it's just really cool. So if you're on Facebook, definitely if you're a, a definite fan of Mr. Hembeck, definitely follow that gentleman. Yeah, I'm I'm getting on that because I love. I bought that the complete essential collection of uh, Fred Hembeck and. I'm not even halfway through it, but you know, I'm just like ecstatic. I feel like a 12 year old again reading it. I mean, it just <laughs> it's it's so it's great, and and again, it's just the the wonderfully ridiculousness of it. I, I just I love it. You know, I just I I live for that kind of stuff. The the other stuff, the more serious stuff that I that I do for Evil Money is is all well and good, you know, and that's inspired by 
some of the more serious comic writers like Jeff Johns and and you know Brian Michael Bendis and I'm, I'm trying to think of others. Loeb, yeah, Jeff Loeb. He's he, I would say a lot of his early stuff definitely inspired what I do. But you know, it, but again, there's in the back of my mind, there's these you know just completely outlandish stories that are are a lot like what Hembeck was putting out in the day, and and I love that kind of stuff, and I just. You know, someday I want to be able to get something like that out there, but I would definitely focus a lot of energy into that because comedy is tough to write. I mean, yeah. comedy is. I mean, like everything I'm writing so far is is pretty middle of the road. You know, there's occasional gags, but I mean, for the most part, it's they're they're pretty serious stories. But the uh, writing just a straight up, you know, comical story uh, that's tough. You yeah, know. it is tough, and the one thing like I've I've learned from that and taken from like trying to write funny moments and stuff like that is that if you know the characters well enough, and make sure that no matter what you do when you like when you do comedy, and this could this is and this isn't a you know a you know if it works for me it works for you type thing because like it right. varies, but like with me I know if I know my care it's all about the characters, and mm-hmm. and I can have these comical moments, but if I force the comedy on. It's not going to work, but if I know my characters well enough, it, it kind of works around itself. If that makes sense, I'm not sure if I make if I'm making a hundred, uh, you know, if I'm not making full sense or not. But um, it, but like if you, if you like if you force that those comedy beats in, sometimes it just doesn't work right. But if you know your characters good enough and you just like let it just let it flow. Now I won't say hella easy because writing can sometimes <laughs> writing can sometimes be a bitch goddess. But um, but it, it definitely makes things a lot better for you. See, my biggest fear is I would start writing something like that, and and only a small percentage of the of the gags would translate well, or you know, it, it's going to be viewed as a just a series of you know one off gags, and it doesn't coalesce into a good story, and and people aren't into it because of that. That's why I I honestly think that that's one of those things I would really have to sit down and and really work out in my mind and down on paper for a good long time because I can't picture putting out a good comical story, you know, just that easily. I, a lot of my stuff I sit down and once I start pounding away on the, on the keyboard, it just flows out of me, you know, crazy style. But th- this, I, I, the, a, a good comedy, I, I don't think would do the same. I think I would really have to work at it a lot harder. So... But I want to do it. So money, so you know now. Well, now that I know, <laughs> it's coming. It's it's stuff, coming. <laughs> that stuff you were writing before just wasn't funny, man. No. <laughs> he looked he looked at inability and said, "Really, that's supposed to be a comedy? I didn't I didn't get that feel." And I'm like, "No, I was joking. That's not a comedy." This, this is a little bit of a of a of a joke here, though, but because I guess I guess Mike totally was had the. Um, his whole purpose was to write this one story, the inability story, as a comedy, and you know he thought it was a comedy. It was like funny, so you know he gives it to us, and like you know we all read it, and so we we're trying to figure out who's gonna draw it and stuff. So Nelson ended up drawing it and everything, and then like we all like I don't know, it was just like recently, like a few months ago, probably yeah. like five months ago or something like that. We were all together and stuff, and he's like, oh well, you know we got our comedy stuff, and he's talking about the different comedy things that we had the stories, and he's like, yeah, and inability, and we're like. Man, Billy is a comedy. <laughs> We're like, wait. So when does it get funny and stuff? He's like, he's it. like, what? You don't, you don't think it's funny? I was like, no. I thought maybe it was gonna come later. Is it it's serious? I'm gonna <laughs> blow you guys away with some some crazy comedy in the next issue. See, man. No, Mike. That that's when you tell him that it's like Larry David dry comedy. 
Yes. <laughs> See, that's what it is. It is very Larry David Seinfeld esque comedy. You see, it's subtle. I'm all about the subtle comedy right now. <laughs> that's where I'm at. It's a freaking amazing story, though. I mean, like we just we all love it like so much. I mean, it's just it's just so good. I mean, we we almost like fought over who was going to draw that one, you know. But it, it just <laughs> ended up coming down to like who's going to fit it better and who was actually going to be able to get it done in time, you know. So well, you guys helped me a lot with that one. I was having trouble fleshing that one out, and you guys helped me a lot with that one. So. Well, you know, we 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 all kind of do that. We all collaborate yeah. on each other. Like every time, like someone's got trouble with story, it's like, oh, we well, let's ask Mike. You know, help us with some dialogue or whatever. And then you, you know, you always do that with us. And it's, I mean, that that's another thing though that really help, help makes this more like of a personal thing with all. We all have so much pride in this comic, you know, yeah. because you know we all work so hard to just get it done. And like you know, a lot of the stories, like we all had our input in, you know. So right. that's, yeah, very collaborative. Finding artists, I know you say like you've uh, talked to people at conventions and stuff. Um, now, do you uh, use other venues like, uh, like say for instance, uh, digital webbing or Deviant Art or anything like that? You know, th- that's been something that we've uh, that you know I've considered and stuff. And I know um, some of the artists that have, that are with us, they they often collaborate with other artists through Deviant Art. At least, um, that's Deviant Art's kind of the main thing that we're all on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they do different things here and there. You know, but uh, we haven't really picked up anybody else. I mean, because I know so many artists. You know, yeah. um, I went to. I mean, I I did go to the community college. You know, did like you know was in the arts uh, there. I mean, like so like I knew a lot of the artists there. And then I went to Art Institute in, Sh- in uh, Schaumburg out here in Illinois. And so like I know a lot of artists from there. And you know, just it's I don't really need to look too far like to find somebody that that I know that would be willing to do something you know but like that's always like you know in my, in my mind is like you know I, I mean I'm always looking for people like to know what they're good at and stuff you know so if sure. if I ever need someone I can always just like hey you know dude do you want to do this with us and just throw them a proposition and see if they're interested you know but I'm definitely willing to do that mm-hmm. you know go through any venue you know but it's it's just been easier for me to just talk to someone face to face or like in person someone i know or just you know and that's cool because i mean i mean no matter where you go to like find art especially like online there's always that chance you find that person that you think is hungry and then come to find out that they're not yeah yeah and then you're just sitting there by your email like okay this fool told me that they were going to get back in touch (laughs) with me and it's been a yeah, it's been a it's been a little while, so I guess I'll move on. And then by the time that person comes back, they're like, "Oh, here I have this stuff," and you're like, "What, well, dude? We forgot about you already." <laughs> <laughs> We've had that too, haven't we? We met someone at a con who yeah. was going to do our work for us, and then never followed through. Right? I mean, yeah. I think we had at least one yeah. person. Yeah, I think yeah. so. We have had that people who, wow, man, I want to draw for you. I want, I really want to draw for you, yeah. and then disappear off the map you never see them again you know what's sad though is like when when you're at the cons and like you know there are these people that are just so dedicated they really have all this passion and 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 this drive to do so much and then like you're like oh man i can't wait to see your stuff and they show it to you and it's like wow you know i don't even know where to start you know like they just like the talent's just not there you know you feel really bad for for a lot of these people too and stuff but um i mean the best thing you know, I, I I I always appreciate those people though because like I I I never never gonna tell somebody. I mean, because I was never you know at a point. I still not. I I don't think I still don't think I'm good. You know, I think I have a long way to go. You know, 
Um, I, I, I have not full, uh, like, re- fully realized my potential. I do not think. I don't think I ever will. But, like, you know, for someone like that, though, like, you always got to, like, try to, like, pick them up and be like, hey, man, you know, just give them the best advice you can and tell them to keep going, you know. Because those people, once they get good enough, if they keep going at it, like, those people are going to be superstars. I mean, if they already have all that ambition and they don't have, they have, like, half the talent as some of us, you know. Like, once they get that talent, once they get it down, man, they're going to be superstars. It just, it takes tutelage, patience, and hard work. Yeah. Yeah. If you got that focus, yeah, you can go anywhere. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, like, it, I think the the work ethic is the most important thing about anything. I mean, it doesn't matter what you're gonna do. You know, if you want to be selling bricks out your back door or whatever, you know, what I'm saying, like, if you want to, if you're gonna have like the the passion to do it, you can get there. You know, you just gotta you just gotta go for it. I mean, but but I mean, I'm not gonna say by any means that I'm like the greatest artist out there or that any one of us are in this book. I mean, we're all very talented, I think, but you know, it's really the fact that we're just doing it. You know, like. Just get up and just do it. I mean, like, if, if you want to do it, just just do it. You know, you can't have people telling you no, no, no. Just listen to people that are telling you what to do better, you know? Yeah. Like, that goes out there for, for all those aspiring comic creators and artists <laughs> out there, you know? Just little Timmy at the comic shop. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Okay, let's see here. We've talked about inspirations. We've talked about um, we talked about conventions. We talked about the anthology, the anthology, Evil Money Comics anthology, available at indieplanet.com. Um, we've yeah. talked about the process of getting the book together and the, and the origin of um, Evil Money Comics. But one thing we haven't talked about is the Devil's Advocates movie reviews. Now, <laughs> now we have not talked about that because it's something else that that y'all coll- collaborate on. But um, I need you to break down to me what is this all about? Ah, oh, that's that was our brainchild way back when. Uh, we, you know, see, people are going to start thinking that there's there's something nefarious going on here because we're evil money comics and we're Devil's Advocates. We, <laughs> I, I swear. We are all on the level good people. We don't sacrifice goats, and we, we are we are good, good people. I promise. I just we keep coming up with these names with these connotations, and we're it's just that the Prince of Darkness is so appealing. <laughs> well, now oh, if you join that Church of Satan that Sammy Javis Jr. joined, then I, I, I will have to have a sit and sit down and have a little talk with you. I'll tell That's you what, true. man. If it brings us that level of, of no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if we if we can go from uh, yeah, if we can go from uh, 200 readers a day to uh, 500 readers a day, I'll yeah, I'll start following Satan. <laughs> <laughs> That'll work. Oh man, um, we. This was we we started out one time myself and the other founder of Devil's Advocates, uh, Veer uh, Veer Tor. He and I were sitting down and we were talking about you know what if what if you had a a website where you you posed two completely different views on every film that you saw. You know you went you went and saw a film and you automatically gave diverging. Uh, views on that film. So you have a like it and a dislike it every single time, uh, regardless of whether or not you could find two people who both liked and disliked it. Because you come across a dark night every once in a while and everybody likes it. And it's impossible to find, well, not impossible, but it's harder to find somebody who disliked it. So 
what would have to happen is the the person adopting the dislike would have to dig really deep and and think about the things that just didn't click for them in the film and you know give a more even-handed review still coming out in the end of course you know admitting that yes they like the film but here here were all the things that you know if i have to search for flaws here they are kind of kind of uh thing so we we've kind of worked it out so that uh there's always going to be that person who plays devil's advocate there's always going to be that person who poses the the other side so that you're 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 getting that you know fair and equal view on a film uh, it hasn't always worked out that way, <laughs> but, but we sure do try. And we evolved from from just being a simple little blog of three writers to uh, now we're twelve, I think twelve contributors, and uh, and then we also have the podcast now. So now, how's the, uh, how's the podcast uh, coming along? Oh, it's you know what every every month we get better and better. Uh, we're starting to you know as we add people to the podcast. Um, you know, we, we start to kind of get into a groove with that person. Um, I, I haven't missed an episode yet. I've been on every single episode so far cause I, I pretty much pull everything together, um, for everybody and, and kind of host it. But, um, you know, we, we'll, I'll have different people on all the time. We have from our, from our contributor list for the blog, we'll have different people who contribute to the blog on weekly and uh, each week our rapport gets better. You know, every month we gain more and more listeners, which is fantastic. And uh, we're we're starting to sound I, I wouldn't say professional, <laughs> but we're we're starting to sound as professional as we can, <laughs> as we're capable of sounding. So uh, yeah, we don't we try not to swear. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, the the one time well not the one time you've been on a couple of times, but uh, Monty was on our Inception. Uh, episode and he uh, he goes, can we swear on here? And I said, well, we try not to, but I can bleep you if we do. And he goes, oh, okay. And then he, you know, right away, let's let's uh, <laughs> an s bomb go. So, but but we, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and you know what? I'll tell you the, the episode that Monty was on for Inception, and, and Inception's a perfect film for this. Our our subtitle is where we agree to disagree because. We agree to disagree. That's that's the premise of our show, premise of our blog, and Monty and I really disagreed uh, on that episode. So it, it, I don't think that could have turned out any better. I was yeah. like, we we were done, and and Monty was like, man, I disagree. Why do you think that? And I'm like, oh man, that was awesome. Thank you for disagreeing <laughs> with me so much. That was fantastic. And he's like, what do you mean? And he's getting ready to storm out of my house and. <laughs> knocked over my dinner table. And I hoped out, it, man. I, I almost, I almost <laughs> ate his dog. No, it wasn't really like that. No, no. Here. But but we when we were done when we were done, uh, you you were still kind of like you know I can't believe you believe that that cockamamie bull cock. <laughs> I was like, oh come on, it's 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 perfectly fair. And I, but it was it was great. We I mean we yeah, really was, earned our subtitle that, that night. Was, so that was a really good one. Yeah, it turned out fantastic. So now, do you do this podcast like is it a weekly basis, monthly basis, biweekly, or we're we're weekly? I, we're, we're trying to get stuff out every week. We I don't I think we've only missed one week, and even that week, I put out a short little something uh, myself. You know, I, I never want to do it by myself because 
you know, me just talking would not come across that great. I need somebody to bounce off of and, you know, like maybe Monty uh, being that he, uh, you know, he has that acting background. He might be able to pull something like that off, but I, I never would. And um, so I but we I always want to put something out weekly. You know, it's tough getting out to see a movie every week. So every once in a while we'll do an episode that, you know, kind of spotlights things in the past we do lists, you know, uh, we don't, we don't believe in doing top five lists. So we do what's called a three, two, one where, uh, we do three of one thing, two of another and one of another. So it's your, your three favorite films of all time, your two least favorite films of all time. And that one film that you recommend to everybody and anybody, you know, I mean, just yeah. something silly like that. Well, y'all just got like this whole like multimedia thing on lockdown then. I, I just, let me just shut down shop. <laughs> no, I was I was about to say we've had good inspiration from from somebody by the name of Sean Pryor because you you were doing this first. So I mean it's not like it's not like uh, we we didn't have some place to draw from. So wait, well, hey, oh thank you. I, I'm seriously I appreciate that. You know that y'all you, you are too kind. Y'all are far too I, kind. I regularly I regularly will you know I'll. I'll look at you know what you're putting out and say you know look at look at all the you know look at all the comics he's put out look at he's putting out trades now and he's putting out i said we we gotta kind of catch up we gotta we gotta you know i even told you at summit city i said i want to borrow your business model because you know i i think uh there's there's a lot to be learned and and more than anything i i joke around of course but the, the more than anything we we can definitely network and, and get ideas from each other and, oh, yeah. and help each other out in, in the ways in which we, we can, you know I mean? Oh yeah, definitely. We, there's definitely a lot of uh, wisdom to be shared among us. And, and the nice thing is that, that nobody is withholding uh, of that wisdom. Everybody is very quick to share what, what helps them be successful. And that's, what's great about this, this little community that we have going. Yeah, Mike actually said he's like, "Yo, man, I've been checking out this Sean Pryor guy and, and all that, and um, either uh, like we have to do something with him." And like he's like, "You know, it's got to be one of three things: either you know we get together with them, collaborate, you know, whatever, right, and make them, you know, see if we can, you know, join forces, <laughs> or he's like." Yeah, it's like, or we just really like do everything better than him and just beat him at all his his game. So he just goes to shame himself, or we just kill him. And, and I was like, let's kill this guy. More, <laughs> let's find him. More than anything, I, I want to emulate you yeah, and no. and uh, try to you know again whatever you're doing. I want to I want to kind of follow that path because you you definitely have uh, kind of set a, a standard for people in our position, you know, because not everybody's in our position. There are people out there with a, with a lot more capital who can, who can, you know, make things happen because of that, you know, mere fact that they have, you know, all that capital. And then they're, and I, I'm assuming I, I, and maybe this is a big assumption, but I'm assuming you're, you don't have millionaire backers mm-hmm. helping you with, you know, your comic no. Do you? No. I mean, it's, it's no. got that professional vibe. No, so. no, 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 no. See, let me let me let me break something down for you real quick. Is see, here, right. here's some more comics real talk for you. Right. Um, 2010 fiscally was you know very was was good. And what I mean by that is is that I spent the le- I spent the least amount of money out of my pockets possible making these books, and you know and and we had a lot of positive things come from that. 
Whereas in 2008, 2009, when I was still learning the ropes, there was more money spent in 2008 and 2009, and there were mistakes made. And a lot of those things could have been avoided if I just would have asked somebody. But I'm, I've always been that type of guy that just jump head in, you know, just jump in poof, and just go. And then yeah. when it's done, it's like, I'll finish. And I'm like, fool, you know you could have did this instead. And why did you do that? And I'm like, then you look at, <laughs> then you look at the money spent like, oh, you idiot. <laughs> and, and so but now you know i you know I'm, I'm i continue to surround myself with good people and they and they help me on they help me understand and, and make things you know better for the books we're trying to put out and and one thing i've i've realized is is i mean it'd be great to have fun it, you know it would be great to have funding and you know maybe one day um we'll get there but something else that like i learned about this year is that with everything that that's happened it's, it's it's wonderful. Don't get me wrong. I the, you know like you know the award, the accolades, and all that fun stuff. That's cool, but then it's like now what? And you know you got to start working on what's next. This is what you did in 2010. What do you plan to do in 2011? And you know so you know you need to be working on that now. Well you know well you're also keeping a website up and going. Well you're also doing a podcast. And, yeah. you know, you're, and you're doing all these other things and you're, and you're constantly trying to put the name out there because, you know, yeah, we've sold some books, but there's still tons of people that don't have a clue who the hell we are. So yeah. you're trying to get people to go to the website. You're trying to get people to listen to the podcast and you're trying to just you're just trying to get you know people to, to come come on down. But you still got a plan for the future. So it starts to become it's no longer a one man show and you have to really you know, put your trust and faith in other people. And that, that has always been one of my biggest problems, but I've learned to finally say, you know what, you know, Hey, Mike and Bowden, you want to write Mercury in the Murder, buddy? It's all yours. You can have it here. Here's, here's some story ideas that I want to come, that I want, that I want to do. Can you do that? Cool. I'm down. And, mm -hmm. and I, and I let it go. And like, and you know, I'll get the script back and I'm like, okay, this is cool. Can we change this? Can we adjust this? Ship it back to him. He's like, yeah, we can do that. Boom, and we're good. I've, you know, I've never had that before, and I've yeah. never experienced that before because it took a lot of pride. It took because boy, you know, I I, I can be stubborn, and, <laughs> and it took a lot of pride to say, you know what, man, you're going to have to let some of this go. You got to let some of it go and have faith in other people, man. And and I think it's going to be. I think it's definitely going to be for the for the best. So, um, but no, don't spend money like I did the first two years. Don't you will have folks mad at you. So, uh, <laughs> do not do not do what I did there. Learn from my mistakes there. Learn how to um, budget. Have a budget, and if you can, if you can't have a business plan, put together a business plan. I, I can't stress that enough. I think honestly. When I walked into this, I walked into this as if it was a hobby and it just, you know, turned into this massive, you know, this massive ball, you know, snowball rolling downhill. And if I'd have known that back then, I probably would have just started with a business plan from the jump. And even though, you know, it's 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 small beans, you should always still have a business plan. I, I, I can't I can't stress that enough to anybody, no matter what you do, whether it's comics, making cupcakes I don't give a damn. Have a, have a business plan. And also at the same time, you know, do it because you love it. Because, you know, comics is a real hard thing to break into, especially if you're trying to get those, you know, those big time jobs with bigger publishers. And you have to just keep plugging away. And there are going to be times where you're going to get discouraged, where you're going to feel frustrated, where you just feel like this, un, this, un, this constant mounting pressure on you. You know what, man? Just, you know, you just got to pull back, take a breather 
really sit and look at everything and then say, you know what? I'm either going to go forward or I'm going to stop. And I can't stop. Like I said, I'm, I'm, like, I'm like Puffy back in the 90s. I thought I, <laughs> I thought I told you that we don't stop. So um, You're doing a lot of sampling? Is that what you mean? You're, you're sampling a lot of other people's stuff? Yeah, see, what I do is like I take them old George Perez Avengers issues and then like, come in and, I, and I recolor them a little bit and like put afros on people. No, never <laughs> But no, no, no. In, 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 all, in all seriousness, yeah, man, just I please, y'all keep doing what you're doing. And I really want to see evil money. Like in 2011, we go, we come to Summit City. I, I better see something at at the Evil Money table. Yo, it's gonna be there. We're gonna bring it. Okay, awesome. cool. Definitely. That, that is that is very cool because you know you cats like real 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 inspiring to me. You good people, and you know when I when I hear you know you guys doing stuff like this, it makes me happy because I you know I hope that that inspires somebody else to make some comics or or to hop into like trying to make movies or just creating something. Before we go, can you tell the people where they can find you on the internet? Yeah, uh, you can find us um, on, on DeviantArt, evil-money-comics.deviantart.com. Um, also on indieplanet.com. You can search Evil Money Comics or look under Anthology, and you can find our book there. Um, you can also find us on Facebook. I believe it's uh, facebook.com slash evilmoneycomics. I think that's it. Uh, or you can just search Evil Money Comics. You'll find us on Facebook. Yeah, and then um, you know you can find me personally on DeviantArt, uh, impdragon, I-M-P-D-R-A-G-O-N uh, dot deviantart.com. And also, you can find my name, you know, if, if you can, <laughs> on Facebook, you know. Um, and then, um, yeah, uh, that's mainly, mainly where we're at. I don't know, Mike, you got something else that you... Well, and then there's the Devil's Advocates Movie yes, Review site, www.devilsadvocatesmoviereviews.com. And uh, you can pretty much find everything there. The podcast is linked there, and, and uh, all our written reviews are there. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely a lot of different places where you can find us. Oh, and um, in the future, it looks like uh, uh, Graham Crackers, uh, we're in discussions. They're probably going to be holding our comic. Um, I don't know exactly where we're at with that right well, now. Well, Graham Crackers is, uh, for those who don't know, Graham Crackers is the major chain of comic stores, yes. uh, comic shops in the Illinois area. And they have nine, maybe ten now locations throughout uh, the Chicagoland and, and other rural and suburban areas. And they have, uh, they've, they've told us they will carry our comics. So that's kind of a nice thing. That's nice. Yeah, <laughs> that's real nice, man. See, I asked the one thing I love about the area that, that, that y'all live in. It's a comics area. Oh, definitely. You know, I mean, when you can say, man, we got comic shops everywhere. When you say that, you mean it. Y'all have comic <laughs> shops everywhere. I mean, I mean, you can't sneeze and not hit a comic book shop yeah. you know, where you guys are at. So, no, that's man, that's wonderful. I moved specifically to where I live now because I can drive in any of the four directions and within 10 minutes hit a comic shop. Uh, one of them closed down recently, so uh, heading, heading eastbound, it takes a little bit longer to get to a comic shop. But I, I can still head you know north, south, west and hit a comic shop within 10 minutes. I mean, it's, it's fantastic. I live, in a, I live in a great spot. So... Well, cool. Well, listen, gentlemen, um, Mike, Monty, it was fantastic talking to y'all. And, um, 
you know, maybe next year before uh, Summit City Con rolls around, maybe we can uh, do a Summit City Con like pre-show or, or something like that. You know, we get some folks together and talk about what's going to, you know, what we're going to bring to the table uh, yeah. for Summit City. I think that would be really cool. Definitely, that would be great. very cool. Yeah, yeah, man, and and the pleasure has has been has been all ours. I mean, uh, honestly, like it's it's been a real pleasure to to finally talk with you and everything. Um, I know Mike's had the 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 chance to chat with you online and everything, but uh, this has been great. I really appreciate this, and I I really appreciate what you're doing. I mean, just the the whole the whole thing, you know, helping out other artists and all this. I mean, it's it's really great. Well, thank you. Hey, I appreciate it, man. I, I like I said before, I want to make comics. I want I want people to believe how powerful and how fun comics can really be and i just want that just to keep spreading and i know you're like y'all doing that too Mm -hmm. and you know if we just keep doing it and keep doing it get more people inspired and get more people to understand how big comics can truly be and that it's not just you know like two or three publishers you know we're doing something right absolutely agreed (laughs) well gentlemen (laughs) thank you once again thank Thank you. you And that concludes this week's PKD Black Box. The PKD Black Box is available via iTunes, or you can go to pkdmedia.com to get our show, check out our forum, and read comics like Mercury and the Murd, XO one on the Rock Solid Steelbots, Agents of Colt, and Luke Foster's The Gang from the Store, six days a week for free. And if you're on iTunes or our forum board, drop us a line or email us at blackbox at pkdmedia.com. Thanks again for listening. Until then, dream big and hustle hard.